welcome to the 320th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on January 22nd, 2023. My name is Brad Galloway. I'm the editor of GameCritics.com, and I'm also 50% of this here show. With me is the man who had his notes ready, Carlos Rodella. I got plenty of notes, baby. Many notes, many notes. We don't always have notes. In fact, we usually don't. I know. But I today asked you is that. a notes day. Today the other day, day. I, we were talking about uh, you know getting stuff ready for the show, and I was like, yeah, what, what, what's on your notes? And you're like, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. And I was I like, why? You do that every episode? I mean, yeah, for games, I'll, uh, that's not true. Every once in a while, if, if something really pisses me off and I want to really mention it, then I'll make sure I write it down so I don't forget. Mm. But in general, I just write down the title and I just like, just, just whatever happens, happens. You spitball. I spitball. I was going to say free ball, but I don't think that's the right thing. No, I think spitball works different. better. Spitball yeah, works better. Different I agree things. with you. Yeah, different. Different. Okay, well, folks, we've got a jam-packed show, tons of stuff to talk about. But before we get into the main content, as usual, everyone knows that Carlos and I share a virtual living space divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. That's right. It's housekeeping. I got a couple things, maybe like three things this week. Carlos, what do you got? What's weird is like earlier this morning, I feel like it was like packed in here. And now I guess I cleaned or something and I forgot somebody that I cleaned. You off? Somebody broke in and stole your Maybe boxes? Maybe someone stole some boxes. I think that's what happened. <laughs> but that's actually better for us because, you know, we only have so much time. We got lots to talk about. That is very true. Why don't you kick it off, man? What's uh, what's first on your list here? All right. Whatever's left that the, they didn't steal. Um, this one's really important. This one's shiny because um, I can't believe both of us kind of didn't do our due diligence, but then oh, again, shit. what did we forget? Why yeah, we don't do homework anyhow. So, so it's not forgetting anything. It's just that we mentioned on the article on the article, we mentioned an article about PS five, not being able to be vertical. Yeah. 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 Cause like some ooze might like ooze out and then the, li- damage. the liquid metal coolant. Yeah. The T two or whatever. Exactly. Well, that's wrong. Um, you can put it back vertical if you want. <laughs> How so? That was the, that big thing came out last week about all those uh, the damage it was doing. Right again, the big thing. We need to do homework. I think in general, humans need to do more homework in general. You know about fact checking, etc. But what that was was someone got their PS5 fixed, and uh-huh. so they got them opened up. So like they opened up their PS5, did some work to it, put it back together, then put it vertical, and then that stuff oozed out because they opened it and they did stuff to it. So really? there's really there is a still an issue in the fact that like you should be able to open it and do stuff to it and still keep it vertical. But that's the issue. If you've never opened your PS5, which neither of us have, then you're fine. Was that confirmed like at Sony or who confirmed that? Confirmed on a bunch of articles. I, I just really? kept reading okay. through okay. it. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, we're, and then the person who actually tweeted it originally yeah. made an edit to their tweet and said, sorry, it was on our, on us. We should have like said that specificness of it. That so someone like got a very it large oversight. I wonder if they were doing that for clicks because that seems like a very key point you should have mentioned. Yeah, I don't think they were doing it for clicks. I think they just fucked up. So wow. um, okay. I'm going to put mine back to vertical today. Pretty excited. I'm not. I'm, I, I moved everything to put it horizontal. Fuck it. I'm going to oh, leave it horizontal. Okay. I'm, I'm not moving it again. So. You're in. All I'm right. going to play it safe. Taking the safe route. I'm going to live on the dangerous side. You do that. Um, I'm not a risk taker, though. I am. Are you, in, in real life, Carlos, are you a risk taker? Because I am 100% not a risk taker. I'm a in between. I risk some, and sometimes I don't. Okay. That's yeah. fair. 50-50. Sure. I am. You're gambling um, with your risk taking. Half. I am I'm gambling with risk taking. Uh, Microsoft laying off people—that's bad. That like ten thousand. Yeah, and I hear that a chunk of them are going to be Bethesda. 
I heard that too. I heard a lot of uh, what are the Halo developers, three four three is yeah. that they're called three four three. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. Um, I a lot. I mean, they're in my backyard and they're down the street from you, right? Like those are our neighbors. So we're gonna have like ten thousand neighbors all of a sudden out of a job around here. I don't know that we'll be able to absorb them all in the Pacific Northwest. I don't know what the job market is like for that tech industry, but. A lot of folks are pretty nervous right now. A lot of people got laid off from Google. I had some people who were working at Google, and I had some uh, friends who were working at Amazon, and they got laid off too. Yeah. Everybody's getting laid off in the tech sector, and some people are saying it's part of a all the all the rich assholes are reappropriating their money to like do some kind of major movement. Um, I don't know how true that is, but regardless, a lot of people had a job. So, man, best of luck to everybody who got uh, got laid off, and you know. This is a larger discussion that we're not going to have, but uh, man, everything is getting shaken up right now. I feel like the whole world is kind of in flux right now. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of uncertainty. And one thing that I don't like is uncertainty, Carlos. I know you bring it up a lot and the fact that, the, that we live in uncertain times. But um, that's why people listen to the show, because then they can talk about games and hear about games and can, you know, not think about it for a minute. Uh, but although we still talk about it, yes, because I mean, we're we can responsible. Be- the weekly certainty in people's uncertain lives. I there guess. you go. That's better than what I said. Let's All go right. with that. Well, I just took the spirit of what you said. You said it was your idea. Okay. Well, then make that the name of the podcast. Weekly this... certainty. What did you say? I don't know. I'll make it up. <laughs> make I it up. What I said. Um, so I'm later in the episode going to talk about Bethesda, um, but obviously people are worried because of Starfield, which is you know coming out potentially very soon. Sure. Um, I think my new prediction is March. Uh, they're just going to drop it on us, and it's going to be a special. And they're going to be like, it's next month. It's coming out. Gotcha. Um, that's what I think. But anyways, uh, that is tricky. And I love Bethesda. And I love, you know, a lot of people that worked at Microsoft. So tricky for them. Um, also, you know, so good luck for everybody. Then also uh, February 2nd, um, this weird kind of a switch. but It's my birthday. Is it? It is. Well, on your birthday, uh, one of the funnest, weirdest games comes out on console and this, there have a, I have a tangent here written in my notes okay. that is, you know, a ton of games come out to Steam and then either I play them for half a second in early access, but lots of times I wait for them to come to console because I want to sit on my couch you sure. know, and play them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dude. Right. You know, I'm right with you on that. So this is a perfect example. I started it. I loved it. I stopped it. And now it's coming to console on February 2nd. It's called Fashion Police Squad. Oh, yeah. We reviewed that at Game Critics. I Did remember, you? Uh, yeah, I think Darren Foreman reviewed that for us. Okay. Sure. It just seems really fun, and I had a good time with it. It's like comedy, first-person shooter, old school, but you're not really shooting. You're kind of like, uh, it's just weird meta, meta first-person shooter. Um, you're like uh, you're 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 putting clothes on people who are quote unquote unfashionable. Is that what's going yeah, on? Yeah, you're checking the fashion basically around, and it's it's just also an excuse to do like comedy in a first person sure, shooter. Sure, sure, sure. It's super fun, unlockables and stuff. So, anyways, I'm pretty excited that's coming to console uh, very soon. Right on. Uh, I also want to mention Gaming in the Wild, which we love. Um, we love Gaming in the Wild. What's up, John? He has done a few videos, and I just finally saw that he did one for his Game of the Year. So I highly uh, recommend people go check it out because. He it takes a long time to edit those kind of things. I know I'm an editor, and so he painstakingly, you know, made his whole podcast full of video. Just imagine how long that took. I can't. I don't want to imagine how long that. Yeah, takes. as he talked about the games, he was you know put on his list game of the year. He showed them and stuff like that in footage. So sure, wow. I mean, it's got to be work. it's got to be a nightmare because whenever I mean I don't do video editing, but I do 
text editing, which already takes long, way longer than I want it to. And then whenever we do a feature or an article or anything like that and have to get like images and that's like nothing, dude. I'm sure it's like a hundred times worse for video and that's already too much for me. So yeah, I, I'm out. I'm out. But good job, John, on doing all that hard work. So go over to his YouTube channel and check that out. Um, one more thing and then I'll let you do a couple boxes is sure. PlayStation just put out a trailer for their games coming out in 2023 uh, and 2024 actually. It's like a trailer. Oh God, and 2024. Okay. Yeah, they just dropped it. But like I think 80% of the uh, games in the trailer were this year. Okay, cool. And it was just so many good games. I'm just, I was just surprised. I was like, wow, I want that. I want that. And they did this thing that it's kind of funny. It's a role reversal, you know, because Xbox having issues with first party games, meaning mm-hmm. not having mm-hmm. many, uh, and my whole thing about that. But sure, they did, they kind of pulled the Microsoft where at the bottom, in a small lower third, they would put only on PlayStation 5, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Xbox did that all the time for like things that didn't even need to do sure, it, like exclusive. Sure. But um, but those were all real. Like they are only PS5, and there was just so many games that I wanted to play. So right on, I'll have to catch that. Tra- you said you it just should check it recently? out. Yeah, it's up on YouTube right now. Just PlayStation Games 2023 trailer. Check it out. I'm gonna write it down. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of Xbox, that Activision Blizzard thing is that ever gonna happen? <laughs> What are we talking about? I don't know. The, what we're their merger about. of the Activision Blizzard. Buy- I thought that already happened. Didn't that happen no. years ago? It's got stuck. It's still stuck. I th- people are calling them Activliz. I thought that was already done. It's stuck, dude. It's really? like the Monopoly thing. I'm going to uh, double check while you look through some boxes, but I'm almost a million times positive. No, I don't know. I, did, I have not been keeping up with, with Activliz and whatever's happening over there. So. Uh, on know. January 18, 2022, Microsoft announced its intent to acquire Activision Blizzard. Um, it hasn't happened yet. I what's I don't happening? Even know. I have it no says idea. right here. Hold on. On Polygon, it says there's a steady drip of news as the tech giant tries to clear its huge deal. It's still not happened. So, yeah. well, so just so I'm clear, because I don't think I'm clear. So, Activision Blizzard already merged, but what you're talking about is Microsoft buying the giant amoeba known as Activision Blizzard. So Sorry, like kind of I thought that's what I, I was... I was saying Xbox and Activision Blizzard. I mean, yes. it's probably my bad because I don't really pay attention to the business side that much. So, yep. those, so those two have already merged, but now a third amoeba wants to join the big amoeba orgy, and that is what we're talking about. Microsoft hasn't finalized their... Yeah, they can't merger. do it. They can't... Gotcha. FTC's giving issues, and they're just blocking it. So, like... I think that I think it's really interesting because if they have issues with Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard, but nobody in the U.S. government has problems with Kroger owning every grocery store in America, so I guess oh, I don't right. see where the line is. One of those impacts me way more than the other one. So what's up, Joe Biden? Well, I wonder if it's a the the um, the the size of the market. I mean, gaming is huge and it's obviously one of the biggest uh, you know entertainment uh, businesses, but at the same time. Um, I don't know. I was, I thought I had an idea, but I don't. Um, <laughs> I love that you just say that, though. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I started just talking and seeing if it would come back to me, but I, I, it's gone. I appreciate um, you trying it out, though. Good for you. They call it unconstitutional because of, yeah, maybe because, again, like the, the gaming industry has only so many endpoints for like games, you know, like the console specifically. So, like, food is just ubiquitous and it's everywhere. So, I don't know. Maybe there's a difference I there. Know. I don't know. One of those seems way more dangerous to me, and it's not the video game one, but we'll see. I, right, because it's our food that we're putting in our body. Literally, the food I need to live is yeah. now a monopoly. So, yes. Well, and we talked about this on the phone. Like, um, I 
kind of wanted or thought Sony uh, might buy Square Enix. Did we talk about this or maybe we didn't? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I don't think okay. so. Okay. I might have brought up on a, a previous podcast, but like, like that seems to make sense to me. But then some people were like, well, that will get stuck too, just like this one. And you don't I mean, think you they could think, pull it off. You would think if one gets stuck, why not the other one? Yeah. Anyways, that's some stuff. I have one more little box, but go ahead and uh, open some for us. All right, cool. Um, first, I'm going to give a shout out to Steve over at Astrolabe Games. They are a new publishing house bringing titles to the U.S. And Steve said he listened to the show and he liked it. So that's cool. I love when people listen to the show because we talk a lot and I would like somebody to listen to it, I guess. Yes, so shout out to you. Steve at Astrolabe. I looked at his uh, list of upcoming titles. It looks like some there's some good stuff coming. Uh, and I think I did put in a request for uh, coverage on a couple of those titles. So I'm sure we will be talking more about this publisher. It looks like some interesting stuff. So, hey, hey. Um, let's see. I will say a little bit. I was invited to attend a top secret preview, which happened literally at 2 a.m. a couple days ago. Wait, wait. Uh, is that the preview that I was in or no? Ah, uh, we can't say it online if we it was. We can't say I if it was. So. Okay. I, I don't know if it was. Maybe different. Maybe yes. Maybe no. I was also um, in a secret preview, online. but I won't talk was, about it then. It was via Zoom, so it was nothing in person. Oh, okay. Something different. Something different. But yeah, it was like at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, oh my God. Like, I mean, I'm up at 2. I'm already up at 2, but, you know, I'm playing games. I'm hanging with the wife. I'm, you know, messing around with my Transformers. I'm doing stuff, you know. But I'm like, all right, fine. I'll make some time. And I'm glad that he did because it was fucking awesome. It was oh, so cool. Oh, interesting. Not many developers I would do that for, but I did. And I'm glad that I did. And I can't talk about it until next week. But that game looks fucking rad. It's going to be on my top 10 of the year. I guarantee it. I fucking guarantee it. It's going to be a top wow. 10. Okay, now I'm interested. So very psyched. Can't talk about it, but I will talk more about it next week. You'll know exactly what I mean. And I'll, uh, I may even do like an interview or preview. I'm very excited about this game uh, quite a bit. Quite a bit. Very excited. So well, while we're we on that see. tip, though, real quick, yeah. we shall see. And I'm very excited now. But I did play, and I can say that I played Wayfinder. Um, you can't say nothing else than that. I no, mean, I know. I know it can't say, but it says in my email that I can say that I played it because people got invited to right. a... I, yeah, I played it as well. Wayfinder. Test, right. I literally can't say nothing else. Wayfinder. No, that's it. Period. We that's played it. a game and it's called Wayfinder. And that's it. But I did know about it before. Like if you go to YouTube sure. and type it in... Yeah, you can you can Google stuff about people it. People sure. know about it, right? So, But they but, were very strict. Like they said multiple oh, times, don't say shit about it. So. Yeah, I know. Um, so anyways, that's the thing that I did. That's a thing. Back that's to your boxes. Uh, I want to give a heads up to people. I haven't really talked about this before, but I have been working uh, with Logitech G for like the last six weeks or so, maybe a little bit longer, on their Logitech G Adaptive Esports Tournament, this time featuring Rocket League. Uh, and so what I'm doing is I'm doing the sign language for that. So when you watch that tournament, if you want the sign language, uh, that dude in the corner is me. So if you want to see me doing my thing, um, I'll be there. I covered all of the preliminaries we did the lcq which is the last chance qualifier and we're going to be doing the finals real soon and it's been really exciting um they they provide accessibility for um three levels of players and i'm not i'm not like on the staff or anything i'm just like the freelance dude they hired so i don't know the ins and outs but basically one group is people who need some kind of special accommodation like a special controller or something like that Mm. the second group is people who are paralyzed from the neck down And then the third group are people that don't need physical accommodations, but they have some kind of, um, I guess, mental. They need some kind of processing or uh, I'm I'm really afraid of saying this wrong. I don't mean to insult anybody at all, but they need some kind of uh, not a physical accommodation, but like a like a mental accommodation or some kind of uh, 
you know, something like that. I, I yeah. apologize if I'm not getting this right. I'm sorry, folks. I'm, I don't remember exactly the terminology, but it's awesome work. I'm so proud to be a part of it. I think it's really cool and exciting. And man, the people that have been in that tournament have been kicking ass. I just like, I am blown away at how good they are at Rocket League. Number one, because I suck at Rocket League. Yeah. yeah. Um, but seeing some of the shit that they're pulling off, like some of the flips and the spins and the shots, I'm like, wow, pretty amazing stuff. Um, I would really encourage anybody out there who's got any kind of disability to check it out and apply for next time. I mean, it's basically over for this year, but I think they're probably going to do one again next year. There's prize money. They got lots of good uh, supporters, and it's just a really, really cool thing. Um, so check it out for that. And if you do want to see me doing my thing, I'm also there. You got to turn on the uh, the sign language. They have like a bunch of different languages. I believe they also have British sign language if you want that. I'm doing the American sign language, and it's been a really cool thing. I'm really proud to be a part of it. So uh, big ups to Logitech and to everybody involved. I believe it's also Able Gamers. Um, it's Mount Sinai Hospital, and there is... One more sponsor, which, gosh darn it, I apologize. I can't remember what the third one is, but great group of folks. It's been a really wonderful experience. So check it out if you are at all interested in tournaments, esports, Rocket League, uh, disability tournaments, adaptive technology, anything like that. It's great stuff. Cool. Check it out. Check that out. And the last thing, just a really quick um, game-related shout-out. I I talked about... Do we ever talk about Elder Sign Omens on this podcast? Probably not, huh? Mm-mm, I don't remember that. Do you know what that game is? No. Um, so I'm a big Lovecraft fan, as you know, and I also love like dice based games. It's not my main jam, but like when a dice game does really well, I really kind of get into it. There's something just really neat and mechanical and defined about rolling dice and having to like count the numbers. And it's not something I want to play all the time, but every once in a while, you know, for example, like Citizen Sleeper, that was a really cool implementation. Um, Tharsis was one that had a really cool implementation a couple years ago. Uh, and Elder Sign Omens, uh, is a tabletop RPG, which I've never played. I bought it. I think I even bought it twice, and I think I have some of the expansions for it. I've literally never played it because I never have enough people around, and now that COVID's happening, I will never have anybody at my house. So I just I have this cool-looking box on my shelf, but they did make an electronic version of it. It was on, uh, you know, it was like when I got my very first iPhone. The very first iPhone I ever got, it was it had that game on it. I'm like, oh, so I downloaded this. I think Mike Bracken, who used to be at the, uh, the GameCritics.com uh, site that we all know and love, recommended it to me. And it's a great adaptation. It's dice. It's cards. Um, it's very mechanical. It's very tabletop RPG-ish, but with with Lovecraft stuff. And so I loved playing that on my iPhone back in the day. And I remembered it a couple days ago. I'm like, oh, man, I want to I play some more of that. I never finished the DLC. I should go back and play the DLC. And I got it on my new Pixel, my new Pixel 7 phone. And it's like, this game does not work on this phone. And I'm oh. like, no, what? What? So it just worked on my most recent phone, the one I had right before this. So I got pissed and I'm like, God damn it. I want to play this thing. So anyway, I bought it on Steam for like six bucks. It's the whole game. It's all the DLC in one giant package. And the game is like, I want to say it's like 11 years old. I mean, Jeez. It's, you know, it's been around for a while, but Elder Signs is a pretty famous board game. And I feel like this adaptation was great. So I'm going gonna, gonna to play it on Steam. I don't want to, but I will. Uh, and just for anybody else out there who's looking for a Lovecraft game, a dice game, anything really interesting off the beaten path, it's got lots of cool DLC, lots of cool theming, and it's six bucks on Steam. So Elder Sign Omens, it's an oldie, but it's definitely a goodie. Well, check that out. Oldie, check but a goodie. Out. Hey, later on the show, we'll talk about another oldie, but a goodie. Oh, man. Yes, Foreshadow. Looking forward to that. Any other uh, housekeeping? Get one more box, Carlos? There's uh, two little boxes that were at my Go feet. I forgot. Go one for is, because uh, you mentioned tabletop, Legend of Keepers just sent me uh, an email that they're coming out with a tabletop game. Really? Okay, that interesting. That might be really, really fun. 
I mean, that was a great video game. I hope that they can carry that same energy to a board game. Yeah, it's like the idea of, I mean, especially the comedy, too, remember? It's like yeah. you have uh, monsters that you are, you know, creating your own dungeon, and the monsters are kind of like employees. And so there's a lot of, like, co-working uh, and, like, office humor in it. Sure, sure. So I could see that translating really well to a tabletop. So could be very fun. Uh, also, I am just addicted to watching. Um, I'm, I'm sure you, I'm guessing you don't know Asmund Gold. Do you know him on YouTube? Doesn't sound familiar. Enough. Okay, uh, he basically is watching Emeru or Emeru uh, play Dark Souls, and it's just super fun. I don't know because... any of the words you said except for Dark Souls. Okay, That's well, the only thing I heard. Some streamer is uh, this girl's playing Dark Souls, and she'll play it and like just be like, what, what, what? I should I go over here and then like the boss just dies somehow <laughs> and like Asmongold just loses his mind and it's just is she like like playing it cold or something she doesn't she's never she doesn't know I mean she she knows Souls games but like okay. she, she's not like the best or whatever I don't know it just seems like her innocent playing of it like still somehow wins <laughs> Interesting. And then he just loses his fucking mind because he's like, but how did that even happen? What? She's supposed to be dead. Um, It's endlessly fun to me to watch him lose his shit over someone like, you know, essentially doing what he couldn't do. Right, right, right. It's endlessly fun. Anyways, check that out. It's on YouTube. Uh, And also, I just remembered, um, yeah, Last of Us HBO. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. That's a thing. It just came out. Did you watch the pilot? You didn't? No, no. I've I've beaten the game, uh, and I am excited to watch it because I'm a big Pedro Pascal fan. He is everyone's dad, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, my wife uh, wants to watch it, but she has not played the game, and it's been on her list for a while. Mm. Uh, she's just been really busy. Her work is just like bananas and bonkers and stuff. So she doesn't want to watch it until she's had a chance to play the game. So uh, we're we are... Putting it on hold, by the time that she gets around to it, the whole series will be out, and uh, I think she's going to try to queue it up pretty soon, but uh, we have not not watched it, Not we're not going to watch it, and uh, that's where we're at with that right now. Well, I will say that, and you've already probably heard, but uh, super faithful to the game. Mm-hmm. Pedro kills it. All the actresses uh, that play his uh, daughter, I feel bad that I remember the... Um, uh, names we can. I know who you're talking about. She was really good in this other HBO. Um, yeah, witchy, she was in tons show. of stuff. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Um, maybe look that up for me so I don't feel bad. Yeah. Um, and so it's just fucking incredible. And the pilot is like an hour, like more than an hour. It's like um, it's like a movie. It feels like a movie. The pilot, super long. Um, but anyways, it's just crazy how Bella close. Ramsey. Bella. Yes, Ramsey. she's so good. She's great. She's wonderful. Um. And so anyways, it's just like really incredible. So I'm really excited for you to see it, um, which leads me into my first game. Uh-oh. Well, that was a smooth transition. Can I do that? I know you, you have to say can, a bunch I think of you just steel. did. Okay. I think you just did. You just you, It was so smooth. It just happened. We're going to jump into games with this idea that I had came up with, which is I watched Last of Us HBO pilot. It's fucking amazing. It got me super excited about Last of Us, which you know me, not the biggest fan of you the played game. the original, and yeah, you were not. I think I liked it more. I definitely think I liked the F- Last of Us Part One more than you did. Yeah. Let me. Let me. Here's the backstory. Give us I, your backstory. I said many times when I played The Last of Us One and beat it that it was throwing rocks to distract people and then fighting zombies, and that's all I remember from it. Like, okay. <laughs> it just felt like I just kept distracting enemies and then go kill them, distract enemies and then go kill them, or get caught. And an instant death. Remember those sure. instant deaths? Just oh, like, sure. Some of those big fungus dudes will kill you. You're just like, head. oh, yeah. you're dead. You're dead. So yeah. just a ton of that. And I don't remember the difficulty settings back then, but I just I probably tried to like brute force my way through normal and just kept eating shit. So sure. it took me a very long time. 
I didn't have a lot of fun with the gameplay. And even though I really enjoy what they did, and it's just Naughty Dog made this beautiful production of a game, I just was frustrated by it. And then when Last of Us 2 came around, um, I did not care for a lot of the grotesque torture and stuff that they did in that game. Human torture, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And not just monsters. And then I don't like, without a spoiler, like, what is it, a first uh, maybe hour or two into that game, some big thing happens? Big event, sure. Didn't care for that either. So I just didn't like a lot of two, so I didn't I didn't finish that. Sure. Well, let me give you my backstory real quick. Yeah, so you're just, just so people know where we're coming from. Yeah. So I did like The Last of Us Part 1. In fact, it may even have been my game of the year when it came out. It's possible. It was definitely my top three, I think. Um, I really liked it a lot. Uh, liked the writing. Um, I liked the characterization and all that stuff. I thought it was good. I was definitely in the mood for it at the time. Uh, so it's it's still something that I look back on fondly. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm watching... Can't even talk today, man. Excuse me. I'm looking forward to watching my wife play it through. I'll probably sit on the couch next to her and just kind of, you know, watch her do that. It's really fun. Right. But when Last of Us 2 came out, I mean, I didn't think The Last of Us needed a sequel. I just straight up did not think it needed a sequel. I thought it ended perfectly. Um, I did Like you, I did not care for the torture. I did not care for the big event. Uh, I felt like it was way too long. I feel like there's probably a much better shorter game in there and just but overall the script i didn't finish it but i played a, a big chunk of it like at least half and then i read ahead to see what happened and i'm kind of glad i noped out because i feel like playing last of us 2 was ruining my enjoyment of last of us 1 like it was soiling mm. my memories you know what yeah, i mean yeah 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 so i i'm not a fan of last of us 2 i don't i don't need more of that i mean maybe maybe new characters different characters but i don't need the whole like you said like the torture and the brutality and it, it just felt like not necessary. So. It felt weird. It felt like you said, like an elongating. Is that a word? <laughs> it is now. Okay. Elongated the main story, right? Yeah. But then it, it had to like up the ante. So it upped the ante in weird ways that were dark, I think. Uh, anyways, they are making Last of Us Part 3, by the way. That yeah, was I didn't like hear about that. I hope so, it's something totally new. I don't want these characters anymore. What's interesting is then both of us do at least hold the first one in, in higher regard. Yes. Me, again, having played it and been frustrated with some of the controls and difficulty, um, I wanted to go back because Last of Us HBO series is so freaking good that it just made me remember all the parts that I did like, which, you know, what Naughty Dog does well, which is these drama moments. Oh yeah, like oh, these yeah. really cool epic uh, shots and and you know and um, and actually just character development. So I go back and I have the PlayStation trial for like you know third tier or whatever that bullshit is. The top tier, the gold, the gold platinum. I have the gold tier for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they let you play trials of games that are new for a couple hours. Okay, pretty good so, trial then. You know, you can yeah see. And I mean, I don't have the money now, but I'm glad I did because I played Last of Us Part One remake, the true remake, mm-hmm. and it really is fucking different. I mean, it's it in just, what way? It feels because the graphics are so better, and the the actual characters look more realistic. It just adds more level of um, agency and being there. And I just felt like everything had more I don't know stakes just by being graphically better. And also, I hadn't been with this game for a long time, right? Like, when did it come out? A long time ago. I didn't play it since it came out. Yeah. Right? So that's, it's in my, new fresh eyes. Yeah. And also the fresh eyes of seeing this, the show. Because the show, literally, it's almost like verbatim. Like, they almost don't even do too many new scenes. Really? Especially in that okay. very beginning part, you know? Uh, which is intense. And uh, anyways, long story short, I played only a couple hours of it. But it is truly... a 
a unique and almost, I want to say a brand new game, but it's like the best version of that game. Sure. sure. And, oh, wait, well, hold and, on. One and. more. It is the best and. Go ahead, go ahead. This is why when I do have money and I'm watching the series, I'm going to go back and I'm going to buy this remake. And I recommend it to people because um, there was uh, different difficulty modes. And the one they had normal, hard, very hard, whatever. Light. I think they called it light, like mm-hmm. light touch or something. Mm-hmm. Then there was extra light. Did they have HBO? Was HBO like the easiest oh, nice. difficulty mode? That would nice. be pretty good. HBO was just the cutscenes. Um, <laughs> you just sit back and watch it. No, but I did. I put it on very light, and I just felt like that's just. I just want to go back to the story again, right? Sure. Um, sure. So yes, I do have to restart it because I have, it was just on the trial. But oh, although I, I think I saved the game, so maybe they'll keep me. Let me keep those saves. I maybe wonder. it's one of those demos where it carries over your progress. Who It'd knows? be nice if it did. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, I just highly recommend it, man. Especially for people who never played that game. And now we're watching the series. That's the perfect way to play it because it's just beautiful, man. It's fucking awesome looking. Yeah. Well, you know, I know things have happened since then, and I know that, you know, Druckmann or whatever has kind of got himself into trouble a few times. Looks like he's maybe kind of getting up his own ass a little bit, and you know, things have happened, and the, you know, whatever, whatever. But when you go back to the game and what it was back then and what it did back then, I mean, I still think it's a great game. If you if you remove all the outside kerfuffle from it and just look at what the game is i still stand by it man i still think you know i'm not going to say it's the best game in the world it's not my favorite game uh, of ever um definitely has some issues but i think what it is is a great experience i think it's a great ride it's a great story and joel and ellie in game one is something that i i really enjoyed quite a bit um so i still have fond memories of that regardless of whatever else comes afterwards and i do think that it's one of those ones where i think that most people should at least try it just to see um, and certainly if you are in games criticism or a games reviewer, or if you try to look at games in any kind of serious way, you kind of have to play it um, just to say that you've you've played it. I mean, to not play that would be something like I'm a book reviewer, but I've never read anything by, you know, Stephen King or something or, you know, like some yeah. some genre milestone or something like that. Right. So I think so. That's great. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think the biggest thing that took me out of it the first time was that those instant kills, because there's. Like Tomb Raider, they have them too in Tomb Raider, which I love that that new series, new, rebooted series. Yeah, um, and they're fun to watch or whatever. But like, I felt like in Last of Us One, again, whatever difficulty mode I had it on, it just happens so much that it just takes you out of like, sure, this whole thing where that you know they're leading you through this kind of dramatic moments, and you're feeling good, and you're like feeling connected to this you know, girl you're trying to protect, and you're feeling connected to the new characters you just met, and then you're just dying a bunch, instant kills, like. 10 times in a row. Yeah. I don't know. It just took me out of it so bad the first time. And they keep making those areas. You know, it's like, oh, right, now there's right. new spore monsters that are even harder. Sure. And if you go even near them, you know, I remember I died in a cutscene. There was like a cutscene happening. <laughs> and it was like, you go too close to the character, a zombie just jumps up and eats you. And so I don't know. That's, I hopefully with the light touch <laughs> version. I don't have to worry about that because that did. That's the thing that took me out of it. But yeah, well, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you there because um, you know difficulty is the thing we talk about a lot, and in a game like that, where I mean, once you once you realize the loop, like kind of like what you said. I mean, I don't mean to be like overly reductive, but like you are throwing rocks, you are distracting people, you're, you're scrounging rocks. for empty plastic bottles and beef jerky, and then you're also stabbing zombies in the head. Like once you do like four hours of that, I mean, that's basically what that game is. And the reason you keep playing is for the story. I mean, because you're invested in the characters, you're invested in the events, you want to know how it turns out. And it's worth it for that. I think it is worth it for that. So in a game like that, 
I have no problem whatsoever putting it on the easiest difficulty because you you know getting carried away with the drama getting swept up in the characters is really what you're there for yeah um so i think it's totally justified and fine that you don't want to spend 75 minutes on a room with three clickers and you've Ugh. only got one molotov and you can't figure it out and you can't make it work and you're taking too much damage i mean exactly that's, that's not the fun part that's not the value of that game for me anyway maybe people disagree but for me get through it however you get through it but really for me it's the characters the story the journey 100 percent. and i and i don't want to make this tangent but i'll do a, a, a light touch a light touch of the tangent a light touch on the tangent which as we get further in game development and open-ended gameplay which is the stuff that i've been always wanting more and more of which is better ai better npcs better um physics and allowing the players to play the game how they want to play it um that last of us type game will i think be more enjoyable because it won't be about having just a couple molotovs that i can craft or whatever it'll be like hey what's in this room what can i use right i feel like that's the 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 eventual place will um, lead us to is when open world slash third person and even first person games let you kind of mess with the environment and then you know, do things how you want to. It's like even some of the little bit of Elden Ring where I cheese some things uh, was a touch of that. You know, it was like, gotcha. oh, I'm going to do it this way, right? Um, when you have it so structured that, oh, well, you only have two Maltovs left and you got to be really quick with your fingers, you know, to do this one thing so you don't get eaten. I think that's what it is. It's a it's limitation. It's interesting you bring that up because I'm actually going to be talking about that exact thing later on in this podcast. Oh, interesting. It's like yeah. I knew synchronicity my friend synchronicity yep. any final thoughts uh that's it i just really like the remake i can't believe that i was so you know impressed by it because i i was just ready to go in and go like oh yeah i know this game right, but right. the graphics really do make a difference and i don't know what other little tweaks they did but it's great it's like the best way to play it so right on right on. and just a really quick note before we leave this um i know that a lot of my friends in the disability community have been really praising naughty dog um for the accessibility they went back and they took all of the accessibility from the last of us part two regardless of my feelings on that game and they are not good i do celebrate the fact that the last of us part two is i think probably the most accessible game in history Mm. um you can play if you're completely blind you can play if you're completely deaf there's all sorts of different accommodations colorblind modes all sorts of different tweaks you can do to the game so they did take all of the stuff that they they put in last of us part two which was already the leader like like bar none basically uh and they added more stuff to it on top of that so they took all the accessibility they put even more they heard they like accessibility they put more accessibility in your accessibility and they put it all in the last of us part one so now i guess technically the last of us part one remake is the most accessible game in history wow yeah kudos for that Kudos. i'm glad you bring that up and also um now that you say it i just remember like going through a lot of menus this time in the beginning yeah and i was like whoa what are they doing it was like even just like for the coloring you know for the shadows and i was like whoa and that's why i got that very light touch you know i'm sure uh, i'm sure yeah a difficulty mode so so them. props props regardless yeah. of anything else i think it's amazing that they're pushing uh accessibility forward like that and i really hope that other people will follow in their footsteps for sure all right cool let me uh let me take over for a bit here let me talk about sky children of light coming from that game company who are the oh, people yeah. who made journey and flower um but i i don't know for sure Genova chen um who we actually interviewed one time was really nice uh, really nice dude uh was i I mean, I don't want to say he was the driving force behind that game company, but, you know, one of the key creators, I think he left 
before they made Sky Children of Light. Do you know anything about that, Carlos? Do you know the timing of that? I don't. I'm going to look it up, but I do know of him and I know of Sky. And I think we mentioned it on the show, but like recently they did a concert by Aurora in Sky. They did. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I love Aurora. So, so um, I don't know anything about Aurora. I trust you that, that they oh, she's are. She's awesome. She, okay. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, but Sky Children of Light. So I liked Flower. I thought Flower was great. Uh, I like Journey. Not my favorite game. I don't know that I love it as much as some people do, but I definitely liked it, and I definitely thought it was very cool. Um, so coming to Sky, Children of Light, I didn't know anything about it. I knew it went to mobile first, though, and that was kind of a weird thing for me that these developers who had made their fortune on PlayStation would go to mobile instead, and I believe that's when Genovachan left. But it looks a little bit like Journey-ish. It's got the same kind of like cool vistas, kind of a simplified character design. It's like some some flowy clothes on them, you know, like soft colors and stuff. So it's got definite journey vibes, but it's a very different thing. So you've never played Sky, Carlos. I didn't. It's on my PlayStation. I can, it's free. So it is free to play. play. Um, And also Chen worked as a creative director on, um, in the first mobile game of that company, Sky. So, okay. So he was at least partially involved. Okay. Maybe still there at that time. So, I got to say, I'm not sure what I was expecting other than another That Game Company jam. I expected freedom of movement, you know, some not, you know, just like going over a a landscape, inspirational music. I mean, you know, they had kind of a groove going with their last couple of games and they were like really well known for it. Um, Sky Children of Light sort of does that, but they also really lean into this strange area. Um, that I can only describe as incredibly fucking annoying. I just oh I, no, <laughs> I noped out of this game so hard, dude. It was whoa. It was like I face planted into a brick wall. Um, it starts off kind of lush and cool, you know. And they start with the whole oh yeah, there's like a there's a spirits and the sky and stars, and you're like okay, cool, like journey vibes. I get it. I know what you're doing. But then all of a sudden, it's like uh, tutorial, 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 tutorial. Notification, notification. Hey, here's the inbox. Hey, here's this. Here's some monetization. Hey, here's this other thing. Hey, here's another thing. Hey, look at this thing. There's a menu oh. over here. Do this thing over here. And I'm like, oh my god, what the fuck? Wait, I can I'm help just... you. I can help you. It oh, was yeah. originally a mobile game. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah, it feels absolutely like one of those crappy mobile games I would play for five minutes and bounce because it's oh god, it's just like what happened, man. Like, your character flies. You have a little, um, I don't know, wing cape or something. And at least I was thinking, okay, well, at least I'll fly around. No, it's like it's on a timer. You got to get a bunch of, like, upgrades for it. It doesn't feel good to control. I'm like, what happened to you guys? Like, you guys, this is your jam, and you're not getting it right. Um, immersion totally broken by the constant, like, interruptions with stuff. I was in the, le- the first level, and I meet this ghost, and I'm like, I feel like I need to help this ghost. And it's and helping ghosts helps power up your wing and i'm like okay well i'm gonna do this but then i was like no move ahead move ahead come back later and i'm like but i'm not i'm not you're not like what uh, i just want to play this game and you're not let me play this game like i want to get in the zone and i can't get in the zone like it's just like you get to this hub there's a hub and there's all these people walking around in the hub and i'm like gross like what's happening here like you know there's a customization station where you have different hats and different capes and you can buy some if you want to and you know like it's just like all these little things are happening and it's like none of this is holding together it all just feels like busy work wrapped up in a journey suit and i'm like what what is going on like i just did not like any of this um oh boy yeah it was just really annoying i i spent not even not even two hours on it dude because i was just like oh my god it, it just felt like i was going to like activate these things for why and i wasn't involved in the story and i wasn't involved in the action and uh man just like wow what a weird wrong turn i don't need an online hub i don't need to make friends in this game i don't need 
I didn't need to buy customization stuff. I just wanted to have that cool experience that these developers have de delivered twice in a row. That was so great. Uh, third time is not the charm for this one. I, wow, I just, I just, it feels really wrong-headed to me, and I didn't understand what they were going for, and I just don't ever want to play this again. All right, well, I won't touch it and download it, but um, yeah, I think also if we, if you would have known it was a mobile game before that, it probably would have jumped away from it even earlier. I mean, I knew, but I was like, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt, right? Uh, okay, like, I okay. knew, I was like, you know, I, I loved, well, you know, I, I really had great respect for the last couple of games. I figured they would carry that through, and, you know, like, it would be slightly different, of course, but, boy, they really leaned into the whole mobile busywork bullshit thing. I just, yeah, ugh, it was not good. It was not good. It just seems like a different departure that's not, you know, game-focused and, like, uh, relaxing experience-focused. It's more about, like... Yeah, like you said, a hub and like things hub to do. And monetization and just yeah. weird stuff and just yeah, no, like you know, like like you're getting messages in your inbox. I don't want to get messages in my inbox <laughs> when I'm playing a game like Journey. Fuck that. What? Yeah. You know, it's like oh, our new event starts and come come to the hub and check out this thing. And I'm like, no, none none of that is what I want. None of that. So anyway, I'm out. <laughs> okay, let me talk about another slightly better experience. Scrap Riders playing this on the switch this is a 2d pixel-based indie where it is a point and click and it is also a beat-em-up it is both pretty what? interesting combination it is it's really interesting you start off you're in the group of scrap writers you're kind of like i don't know like bounty hunters of the wasteland it's kind of a vaguely kind of mad max-ish post-apocalyptic sort of kind of vibe going on and you need to recover some doodad or whatever. And you just you uh, go out to these locations like first locations like a bar and you're walking around talking to all the scummy patrons and everybody's like weird wasteoid and mutant and stuff. And you're kind of, you know, you click on somebody. And it's like look at a thing, talk to them, uh, grab it or use it. You know, your basic point and click interactions, which is fine. Um, and then, you know, they go for humor. Some of the jokes land. Some of them don't. Some of them are kind of funny. Some of them are kind of like, hmm. Is that a little mean-spirited? Maybe it is, but uh, okay, we'll see how it goes. But I, I appreciate that they're trying for the comedy. Uh, and then once you get into a certain point, like, you know, there'll be some roughs in the bar. Or there'll be like a boss or something who's like, get out of here. You're not supposed to be here because, you know, whatever reasons. And then it goes to a, a 2D beat-em-up. You have like a dash and a jump and a light attack and a heavy attack. You got some combos and stuff. And I got to say, it actually works pretty well. I, I do appreciate that when you get to a certain point, um, you can't do it anytime, which I think is a bummer. It would be cool to just like anytime you want start beating people up, mm. because but that would be hard to program for, right? Because you'd like break the story, you'd break progression. Um, very few games, um, Procession to Cavalry let you do that, and that was a point and click that let you kill people anytime, which was fucking amazing. That seems crazy. Um, yeah, I fucking loved that. So props to Procession to Cavalry, but that's really the only one of point and click style where you can really break flow like that. But the fights here are pre-scripted. You have to fight where you fight. And it's still good. It's still good. I just would like to, you know, when someone's like, yeah, I've got a, th I've got a key card you need. Give me $5. And you don't know. Uh, no, I'm just going to punch you. Like, that would be pretty right. cool to do that. But you can't. Anyway. You're, not, you're not in the punching zone. No, I'm not in the punching zone yet. But when you do get in the punching zone, it feels good. Combat's tight. It's fun. I feel like it's skewed to make it pretty easy, which is good because it's a fucking point and click. And I don't want to have to play those battles a million times. Uh, but, you know, you got a life meter, stamina meter punchy punchy it's really fun and then you beat the dudes up and he goes back to a point and click and then you figure out where your next objective is it's pretty cool it's pretty cool i'm not super far into it i'm only a couple levels into it um and i really like the the graphics are really well done there's a lot of detail in the pixel work uh, i think that visually it's got a really nice vibe to it i think the fighting feels really good 
Um, the jokes, they're okay. They're okay. I feel like it's just one notch too far into risque territory for me. And I don't even mean risque because I'm not a prude or anything, but there's just a couple jokes where I'm like, okay, that was kind of bad taste. Mm. Um, but not super bad because I'm still playing it. I would bounce if it was really bad. Um, but just, you know, it's got a little bit of a dark flavor to it, which sometimes okay, sometimes not. I'm still playing it, though. I think it's a really cool, interesting um, blend. I'm, I'm interested in exploring the point-and-click genre. I think this one definitely pushes things forward, explores new things. Um, and I think it's just really cool. It's cool to, like, you know, break up a little point-and-clicky section with some some fights, some fisticuffs. Get your adrenaline pumping, you know, beat up some dudes, come back, and then you talk some more, you poke some more, then you fight some more. Like, it's a, it's a good blend. It's a cool combo. And I'm looking at the uh, screenshots. It looks like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. A little bit, yeah. It's kind of colorful. It's got that same kind of like weird mutant vibe to it. Like there's definitely some some great uh, visuals going on. I think the visuals are pretty cool. So, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. I think it's really interesting. Like I said, I haven't finished it, but I'm still playing. But so far, I, I definitely would recommend it to anybody who, like me, it likes point and clicks, but doesn't want the old standby with the, the cat hair mustache bullshit. You want just like something lighter, something more approachable. I haven't gotten stuck on any of the puzzles yet, which is great. Um, and I haven't gotten stuck on the fighting, which is also great. So I feel like so far it's it's hitting a pretty good groove. And, uh, you know, like I said, some of the jokes I don't care for, but I feel like it's interesting. And uh, if you, like me, want to see something new in the genre, check this one out. Yeah, I like uh, anybody trying something new, so it seems like it works. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. So, all right, there you go, Scrap Riders. That is definitely a thumbs up so far. I'm digging that one. Let's go back over to you, Carlos, for a pair of uns. Oh, right. Two games starting with un in the name. That is exactly so. Yes. Undecember. Let's start with that one. Undecember, which I guess is what? Is that June? What is the opposite of December? December is cold and wintry. Is it spring and warm? What's what's undecember? Uh, it's none of that. It's not wordplay or anything. I don't know why it's called that. Um, I can look it up, but I probably won't. Uh, undecember is. <laughs> I love the integrity and the honesty of this podcast. We're oh, not yeah. going to do that. We'll we're going to tell you that. It's by Need Needs Games. I think this is their only game. I'm guessing. Okay. Yeah, I think it is. Um, I've actually saw, I think, an early alpha of it a long time ago. It's on Steam only right now. It's free to play. Uh, it's a hack and slash like Diablo. And oh, okay. I just love those kind of games, especially if it's free to play, especially right now with very little money. I'm like, yes, a free game that's also like Diablo. I will play it. Um, I think October 11th is when it came out. This is PC, I assume? PC on Steam right now, free to play. And I think that there's some sort of update recently is how, why I got to see it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is like officially ready for people to play. So what is it? This is the shortest review ever. It's Diablo Immortal. Okay. Hey, that's there it. There we go. And moving on. Moving on. But guess what? That's fucking great because I, on this podcast, have stood by Diablo Immortal. And yes, I think that the monetization is fucking ridiculous. I have to say that every time so people don't get mad. Because of course it is. It's stupid, right? Yeah, yeah. But you loved it though. I remember I, you were one of the the hardest uh, hardest hitting stands for that game. You really enjoyed it. Yeah, because you can play it free. I never I never spent any money on it. You, it, if you don't care about PvP and you don't care about being the best or looking like fancy armor, you play it as a regular Diablo game, and it's basically Diablo three slash four because it's like some of three and some of what's going to happen in four, which is the kind of asynchronous or kind of weird multiplayer that just kind of phases in and out like you're just yeah. with other people all of a sudden okay, okay so immortal did that on december does the same thing there's people around they're fighting with you sometimes they're not 
Um, you can play the whole thing single player. I'm playing a fuck ton of it. I haven't, not, I'm never going to spend money. You can if you want. The monetization looks actually better than Diablo Mortal. So it's still bad. Uh, you know, it's it's monetization. Um, I wouldn't even say it's bad, bad. There's like moments where you're like, well, that's $100. That doesn't make any sense. But then like there's these pets you can get, which I always mm-hmm. like pets. And the pets come with you immediately uh, for free. But if you want them to do anything, you have to pay for that. So what? it's it's Are really you have funny. Pet prostitutes? Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, because basically they just so I have a little monster or something. He's going along with me. He's just watching me fight. So I guess it's kind of. But if you adorable. want him to give you some action, you got to slip him a fiber. That, yeah, that he, sounds if, dirty, dude. If he if I want him to fight or heal or do anything, uh, I'd have to pay for that. Real money. Um, so again, monetization. It's weird, but the point wow. is, I'm playing it without that. I have a little companion. He's running around with me, and I'm playing Diablo-type game. So, I don't know. It's got mixed reviews. People are, like, I'm sure, frustrated with uh, monetization again. I'm not thinking about that. I'm looking at the little systems. Like, they have this rune system that's really fun. Um, And I'm just fucking playing Diablo Immortal again. So, I recommend it for anybody who actually somehow did like Diablo Immortal and wasn't scared away by the monetization. Um, You can play it for free right now. It's fun. And if you want a pet that'll sit there and watch you die, unless you pay him money, I guess play this one too. Yeah, my pet just watches me die. Like he oh doesn't. God. He just kind of runs around. But uh, but also the graphics are really good. Like it's just again for a free game. I don't understand people. Like monetization sucks in in this in, in this time right now for a lot of games. But if these developers are spending like this huge world for you to go to be in, it's it's similar to Fortnite in a way, right? You could yeah. go around, fuck around, and never spend money if you don't want to. You told me that. Sure. Um, so this is not a Battle Royale, but it's a Diablo clone. And I shouldn't say that because it's their own game, you know. But it's a Diablo-style hack and slash. And it's for free. So fuck around with it. That's all there I'm saying. It's for free. And then uh, somebody out there, please tell me why it's called Undecember, because that's really weird to me. Undis- I should look it up. Hold on. <clears throat> Oh, uh, something about evil gods and stuff. I don't yeah, know. Whatever. Who cares? They're against the spirit of Christmas or something. Who knows? So that's, yes. That's Ungame 1, and I Un-game say check one. it out. All right. Now, Under Dungeon, uh, I I do know this one. In fact, I just bought it. Oh, nice. It's on sale on the Switch for like 85% off. I bought it for like a dollar. Really? A dollar 25 or something like that. Yeah. So I I saw it, and I was like, I don't know if that's my jam or not, but like for like a, like a buck, I mean, it w- it was certainly not more than two dollars. I mean, at most, it was like a dollar ninety nine. I'm like, okay, that's a very reasonable price. That's less than a terrible st- a cup of Starbucks coffee. That's less than like a donut. I mean, I I feel like I should probably go for it for that. Yeah. So I'm hoping you're about to tell me that it's actually good and I didn't waste my two bucks. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I okay. Think good. It's like twelve dollars on Steam. I think it's like eight or nine or ten dollars on consoles right now. I think I got it on PlayStation. I'm guessing, or maybe Xbox. I might got an Xbox actually. Ooh, look at that. Carl's playing an indie game that's not in Game Pass because it's not. It's a, you know, you have to pay the, pay for it yeah, separately. Yeah. Anyways, it's totally worth the money. And what is this game? Uh, there's a positive and a, and, a, and a negative. The only negative is, because as I describe it, it's um like top-down Zelda-like game, mm-hmm. um, but it's all in black and white. And so that's the only negative is that it's super pixely, 
I don't know how it will look on the Switch. That's where you're going to play it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I saw the screenshot. It looks okay. It looks really, really like lo-fi 2D. It's the retro. most lo-fi you can get. Like it yeah. almost is like CGA, but it's, it's just black and white, right? So it's not even CGA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like the the pixels are pretty big, so it's it's kind of tough to look at sometimes. That's all I'm okay. saying. That's the okay. only con because it's so old school looking graphics that I'm playing it on my TV, and you know when you blow those up, they can be kind of weird. Yeah, um, yeah. So maybe it'll look better small. Who knows? It might look better small is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That said, I'm still playing it because the controls are tight and it's just a really fun game. So you control this little cat character with a sword. And again, similar to Legend of Keepers, they do a really smart job of your job. It's like a corporation thing, right? It's like a you have an office and everything. Your job is to answer the phone and to like deliver packages or whatever. And you're in this office with like a water cooler and monsters are around, like just hanging out. And then you go and do it, uh, you know, adventures by, you know, have to deliver these packages. Um, so when you're in the office, you can like go talk to people and like get like dialogue and stuff. And every time you finish a run, it's kind of like a roguelike thing in a way, you come back to the office and like there might be different things in the office, you know, like this robot was there and it was turned off. And then I came back after I beat this boss and the robot was on. So I was talking to the robot for a while. You know what I mean? Like just different things in the office are, are yeah. changed. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, and I just like that being the hub. It's like a um, real world type situation. You know, there's bosses and stuff. Um, and so then, yeah, when you get a package, you basically decide to go on a run, like a roguelike kind of run. And you go to a place. It's obviously going to be like a dungeon or overworld type thing like Zelda. But um, it's with the ruse of like some interesting, funny story. And they just, it's like comedy, and it's a light touch of comedy. But I think that's the best way to do this because, you know, you can't, like, make it tons of jokes. But they're just, they do a really good job of making everything kind of comical. Like, say I'm in a dungeon area, and, you know, like any roguelike or even like Zelda, you know, you get to the end of a dungeon, you got to beat a boss or something. But um, on the way there, the dungeon, by the way, could also be a forest, right? Like, that could be considered a dungeon. Yeah, you go yeah. through a forest and you get to the end somewhere. But wherever you are, forest or actual dungeon or castle or house, because there's lots of different places that are considered dungeons. There, some lots of times there's a casino, and you just can go into a casino area. Just like real life, casino, like real and life. Forest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then in that casino, you can like bet your money and like play little casino games. And you know it's good to have money because then you could buy more equipment and stuff. So that was kind of fun. And then, yeah, like one of them was like, go to a mansion and like and the little character was like, I can't get in the mansion because Ghost took it over. And it felt almost like Luigi's Mansion in a way. And I had to do something to get in. And then there's ghosts out of fight. And it's just really inventive and smart. But the gameplay itself is like straight up Zelda, like old school Legend of old Zelda. Old school, like, like NES Legend of Zelda. NES Legend of Zelda, complete with bombs and secret rooms, right? And you go into an area, it's like a little, you know, box and kill monsters before you can leave kind of style. But then they mix that together with this really cool system of going back to the hub, uh, upgrading a little bit. And also when you die, you meet death and death says you can pay money to respawn right where you were, which is really helpful in these kind of games. Cause think of it like it was a roguelike when you want to just like respawn right away. Right. Just one more chance. Yeah. Going. Um, and then if you don't, which by the way, this has never happened to me yet. Cause I'm surprisingly good at this game. Um, if you die enough times, death will be like, okay, we're going to do a contract with you because obviously you don't have any more money. And that does something negative, 
But like I don't a know payment what plan with interest. It's a payment plan, but I think it might like hurt your abilities or take something away from you. But I've luckily never had that happen. I've always had enough money to pay um, pay death off. Um, that's a funny title, paying death off. Um, so I, I haven't got to the contract yet. So I've been lucky. Um, but yeah, you go, you know, you got to do it until you can beat a boss. And I've beaten like three bosses so far in different in different zones. So I, I recommend it. It's such a weird, pleasant find. Uh, you know, again, what you said earlier, like mixing two things, you're mixing Legend of Zelda with a roguelike with a hub world and comedy. I mean, that sounds like a win, dude. And like I just said, I bought it for like less than $2 on the Switch. That sounds well, like a yeah. great deal. I don't know if it's that deal on console, but I mean, regardless, I mean, this definitely sounds like a win, whether it's full price is what, 10 bucks or something like that? Yeah, it's like 10 or $12. Even at full price, that sounds like a win for sure. That sounds really neat. Well, I guess I'm glad I I guess I'm glad I took advantage of that sale and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad that I didn't waste that two bucks. It sounds like a fun one. It's really fun. And then you get more abilities. Like I didn't even mention that, but like you keep picking up things. I don't think they go away. Like lots of times in roguelikes, they'll just be for that run. Um, I don't think they do. That's right. There's permanence in the fact that like you might find later on a grappling hook or the ability to jump, by the way, which in the beginning you don't have. And there's these pits and you can just fall in the pit and die. But if you have jumping boots, which you get later, you can just jump over everything. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm positive now. The things you get, those items, yeah, you keep them. Oh, and, okay, good. And so that makes it again more fun because you go to the next, you know, dungeon or whatever. Sure, you get some permanence progression. Yeah, yeah you just yeah. feel like you have more options to fight monsters and to not die. And those pits are everywhere. So once you get like things like the grappling hook and stuff, you feel much more equipped. So, I mean, I can't explain how fun it is. It's just really relaxing and fun. And uh, they call it the one, one bit graphics. I mean, that makes sense based on what it looks like. So I Black guess that's a good white. description. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So highly cool. recommend uh, both those on games. I, I recommend Under Dungeon more because I think it's just a full-fledged, you know, awesome game. But All right, cool. That one definitely sounds like a win for sure. So check that one out. Check it out. Check it out. All right. Let me talk about a game that a number many people have been telling me to play for a while now. Uh, John from uh, Gaming in the Wild and a bunch of people at uh, Game Critics were telling me to play it. And a bunch of people from Twitter were saying that they wanted me to play it. So I played it. Um, and we're going to talk about it right now. It is Inscription. Inscription. Oh, I told you about How, What about me? me? Come well, on. you're right here. You're right here. I know, here. but you left me off the list. I've been saying that for the whole time. So, okay. So, Inscription is coming from the guy. I think his name is Daniel Mullins, I believe. I'm pretty sure he did, like, Pony Island and a couple of other games uh, that are kind of well-known for subverting their genre a little bit like it starts out as one kind of game and then it kind of becomes another kind of game that's kind of his jam it seems like this is a deck builder uh, I mean, sort of deck builder like it's a card game kind of a deck builder where you are trapped in a cabin with like a psycho killer and he's forcing you to play card games with him and your cards are animals there's like a stoat and a stink bug and uh, bees and all sorts of different animals on your cards and some of them talk to you mm-hmm. and they're like hey man this is messed up I don't want to be in this card game and you're kind of in this dark cabin just kind of figuring this out um, so that's the basic premise and then he kills you if you lose I've died several times and it's pretty creepy and then you start off I guess there's like a new victim I, it was kind of unclear but I, I'm supposing it's it is a new victim is what kind of what it seems like so that's the basic premise mm-hmm. um, Carlos remind me what did you think uh, of this game I really liked the well because I had n- no idea of what it was going in, 
Um, I, I don't know if you did either because you just I had were heard told just buzz, it. just Twitter buzz, you know. Okay, because I just I really enjoyed the the darkness of it, the um, the kind of like having the characters, like you said on the cards, like pit them pit you against other characters. Yeah, like just the uh, the indecisiveness of what was going on. I liked, mm-hmm. and then without spoiling it, because I guess we really shouldn't spoil much, and I didn't beat it per se, but I you know I got the experience of what they were doing. There's like it keeps changing, yeah. you know. Like the yeah. game keeps letting you do different things. What's that game that we just? There's another game that we we played and did that same thing. Oh, I'm not going to remember now. But you know, when you have a game and you go, oh, it's not the game's not just this; it's other things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could say one, which I think has already been talked about. Which is, can I say one? I could say one. I mean, I don't know. I I I, I am still playing it, so don't spoil me. Well, have uh, you? I'm not too far. Um, maybe you don't know what I'm about to say then. Now hold off, don't spoil okay. anything because I don't. Know you say more words and then I'll say words. Yeah, you you gauge where I'm at based okay. on what I say. Okay. So a lot of people, including Carlos, wanted me to play this, and it initially, I mean, okay, so like it's it's a it's a weird prospect, right? It's a strange thing. I had heard people talk about it. I knew just the premise, right? And I know this guy's work. I knew it was coming from him, so I kind of knew what to expect. So I love, for me, I love weird games. I love indie games. I love deck builder. I play basically every deck builder that comes to console. So I, I'm very familiar with the genre. And this is a weird game because it's sort of like a deck builder, but you don't have any of the things that would let you engage with it as a normal deck builder. Like you don't have the ability to go back and like refine your deck. And it's also roguelike. So as you're going through kind of like a Slay the Spire kind of thing, and there's a map, you choose which node you want to go to. You go there, there's an event. Sometimes you get a power up. Sometimes you get an item. Sometimes it's a battle. Sometimes it's a trick. You never know. So I think that structure is pretty good, um, but I feel a little bit frustrated in the sense that, like, the setting is interesting in that this serial killer is making you play this game with him. Um, feels a little bit like Hand of Fate in that way, where there's this guy who's kind of, like, taunting you, mm-hmm. and he wants you to play the game, and he's better because he's cheating, and he's he knows all the rules, and you're still kind of learning the game. And, of course, you're going to die a few times. Um you can also get up from the game and walk around this dark ass fucking spooky cabin that he's in. And it's not very large, but there's all sorts of puzzle puzzle stuff around, like a clock that obviously needs to have its hands manipulated. There's like a puzzle box and some other things where if you figure out those puzzles, they give you like an advantage when you come back to the game. It's pretty cool and well put together, but I, I do feel frustrated playing it because um, being someone who knows so much about deck builders and plays so many of them... I feel like I want more options or I feel like I want more control over my deck and you don't really have that much control, um, which is probably part of the experience, I'm sure. Um, Learning it was kind of weird and I sometimes make some mistakes where I think something works one way, but then it doesn't. And it's real sketchy about how you lay your cards. And so I've had a couple of missteps that kind of like kind of irked me a little bit. Um, But then... But then, but at the same time, I know that it's not just a deck builder, right? Because it's a Daniel Mullins game. I'm expecting that something weird's going to happen. And a few things already have happened. I'm not going to spoil them, but a few things happen that are clearly outside the realm of a deck builder and clearly outside the realm of being in a cabin with this serial killer. Like some things happen where it's like, okay, clearly something else is going on. And I keep waiting for the reveal, right? So I can't really get myself into the game of the cards because I'm waiting for the, the hook. I'm waiting for the, the, the twist, right? Yeah. And so I, I'm like, okay, just get on with the twist so I can figure out what the rest of your story is. But you actually have to play the card game. But I, I get frustrated playing the card game because I don't have that much control over the card game as much as I normally would. 
And so I feel frustrated because the story isn't advancing fast enough for my, my taste. And I'm also frustrated because I I have to play this um, card game in a very constrained and slow way. And I I mean it's it's interesting and I'm not I'm not disliking it, but I just feel like I know that something's going to happen and I'm just waiting for that shoe to drop so I can start playing the real game I guess if yeah, that, that makes, makes any sense. sense you know what yeah. I mean and I think I'm kind of with you on that because again I didn't beat it but I just remember when I played it again had no idea what it was um, and I didn't even know that like that guy's games before what's mm. what's other stuff he's done uh, Pony Island was the first one oh, but he's done a, he's done a couple Island. other ones totally yeah. makes sense yeah, yeah yeah see if I would have known that actually I probably would have yeah because this game isn't a card game that's the thing this is a horror game it's a weird yeah weird horror game that makes no sense and it's really a war of attrition to play the gameplay of it yeah, so i think that's of, what yeah. you're feeling and i feel that I, I think i feel the same way but because the characters and the cards talk it takes it, it makes it more fun because you don't know what's going to happen there yeah i feel like so i'm just kind of playing it and now you talking about it i'm going to try to see if i can go back and beat it because i do want to know what the ending is but you're just playing it to kind of see the, how the story is going to play out and you already mentioned the the big reveal was that you could leave the table. Like, I didn't know that in the beginning. Oh, and yeah, um, yeah. that just made it feel like more like, oh, anything's possible, you know, in this in this world now. Yeah. But it's not like you said. You still have to go back and play cards a bunch. Yeah. So the game itself, I agree that the gameplay is just that. Um, but I am interested if there's like a third act that we yeah. that would blow us away, you know? Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, I think the game itself is good. I kind of, I mean, I, I honestly would play the card game if it was just a card game without all of the other spooky, weird meta stuff going on, I think it's a pretty solid game and pretty fun. But I would want like more features, right? Like I would want to be able to like change my cards up and like you know do things to make a deck on my own and stuff. Yeah, but that's and he doesn't want that. That's he doesn't thing. want that. He yeah, doesn't yeah. want that, right? So I think it's to his credit that I think the card game. He is a smart and skilled enough developer. He's making this horror game, and he also threw in a card game that I think the card game is good enough to be its own game, in addition to the horror game, which is, you know, clearly a good game. So, I mean, props to that dude. He's getting it done, right? I mean, just because it's not to my taste doesn't mean it's not well done. But there's also, there's like a meta going on of when you die that you can create a card, and usually you're leaning on that special card when you die to get you through the next round, which is fine. But I will say I am a little bit frustrated by the puzzles because they tell you at one point, uh, one of the cards, one of the talking cards says, hey, man, uh, here's a here's a secret. I'm not going to spoil it, but here's a secret. Go do this thing. And it, it kind of prompts you to get up from the table and go do that. And I did that. And it seemed like, oh, OK, I'm on a little daisy chain of events here. And I got to one particular event and I just I couldn't figure it out. I didn't know. It's like I knew what to do, but I, I just got stuck and I couldn't figure out how to make it unstuck. And I thought it was a glitch or maybe I just wasn't supposed to do something. And to be perfectly honest, I. Uh, I went to an FAQ because I got frustrated because nothing was moving forward. I felt like the story wasn't moving forward and I wasn't getting better at the game. And if I had figured that puzzle out, it would have given me something that would have been super useful. Mm. Uh, and I guess what I needed to do was like back out of that puzzle and then come back in to let it reset. I just I didn't figure out how it worked and they didn't explain how it worked. And so I pushed something wrong and it stuck and I figured, oh, I guess I'll just come back. And then three hours later go by and I should have figured that puzzle out three hours ago. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So mm -hmm. that's kind of a bummer. Um, I think it's interesting. I think it's cool, but I feel, I feel just largely frustrated in general. And I really want things to move forward. And I think a lot of that is because the story is not moving forward and I feel like my gameplay is not moving forward. So I need, I need to figure out what my next step is. Probably solving that puzzle will be my next step. And then hopefully things will get rolling again and I'll start to feel like I'm making progress. Cause right now it feels like, I'm just playing the card game over and over and over and I'm not 
nothing nothing's to show for it you know what i'm saying yeah so. yeah I, if it's a short experience i think and maybe it still isn't maybe both of us just haven't powered through enough but like the shorter the experience of that thing would be make it better for me i agree i agree yes so i think i looked up how long to beat it and they're saying like 12 hours and i'm like okay that feels like too long for this mm-hmm. game but mm-hmm. i'm still in i'm still playing it uh i gotta just get i gotta make some kind of progress because I'm, I'm just really stuck and i hopefully that'll get my juices flowing again and then i'll be i'll be back in to to keep going but it does look like you need to actually beat the card game and just side note just real quick side note um i, I one of the faqs i looked at real quickly was written by some i'm not going to name names but this person wrote the faq as if this is the fucking easiest game in the world and it's so easy to break this and this is so not challenging and here's what you do and blah 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 and i'm like wow way to really talk down to your audience way to really demean everybody who's coming to you for help you know rather than taking the road of yeah it took me a long time to learn this and i figured this thing out and i did all this hard work they just wrote it like oh this is so easy blah 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 blah, and just break the game so what just just power through it you're going to beat it like nine times in a row and i'm like okay clearly not otherwise i mean if i did that i wouldn't be reading your fucking faq well you're so goddamn smart the, the easy answer to that is not everybody is a good communicator and also <laughs> a, a ton of people don't even want to be like that just sounds like a younger person wanted to be like this hey hey dude this is what i did just do this yeah just do this and just like a regular talking just hit thing. the boss and don't get hit fucking simple yeah. you noob yeah so anyway that's that kind of pissed me off again i'm not trying to shame anybody i'm not trying to put a target on anybody's back but like wow i read that faq and i <laughs> i was like you're pissing me off, motherfucker, because you're talking down to me so hard. Uh, I didn't appreciate that. But anyway, whatever. Uh, moving on. Small side note. It has nothing to do with the game itself. I think it's an interesting game. I'm going to keep trying. But right now, just kind of frustrated. All right. Well, I'll go back, too, and see if we can both talk about it later. All right. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Back to you for The Vagrant, which I had no idea what it was until I looked it up uh, earlier before the show. So I kind of got a vague idea about The Vagrant. But tell us about it, Carlos. Yeah. So this is, is uh, an older game. Uh, again, this is the theme of one of the themes of the show. The uh, games that come out on Steam and then later come out on console. I saw the Vagrant pop up on my PlayStation Store, and I was like, "Oh, cool! It looks like Vanillaware." And I say that most people listening should know what that means: two D uh, side-scrolling, you know, hack and slash type game mm-hmm. with some RPG elements, leveling up, etc. Just really fun gameplay. That's what Vanillaware does, and that's what OTK Games does. That's who makes this. Okay. Uh, very similar style. Um, also, I believe Japanese company. Um, they basically do that. Not not the cel shaded, but like um, what would you call that art style? I mean, it kind of looks like a painterly art style. Painterly art style. Yeah, That's a little good, bit. Yeah. A little bit. And side scrolling hack and slash. You know, slow mo when you do huge combos. Just it's hard to do that gameplay good, and when you do it well, it just feels really good to play those style of games. I think for me. So I saw it pop up in PlayStation Store, and I was like, oh, I'll check this out. But before I bought it, I went back to Steam to say, maybe, maybe I have this game already. <laughs> and I do have this game. Oh, man. I've been through that experience so many times. I'm going to buy this. Wait a minute. I already own this. I already yes. own it. Also, uh, I played an hour and a half of it, you know, which I did. But I went back to the beginning just to kind of start it all uh, fresh again yeah. um, on my Steam game, which, by the way, on Steam right now, at the time of this recording, is 79 cents. Wow. For okay. The Vagrant. Wow. Um, I think they're doing that because they just released another game, and it's called Detained uh, Too Good for School. And they've so, got a theme going. They've got The Vagrant, and they've got somebody who's clearly a truant. I mean, what's yes. next? Well, it, it looks cool because the new one is kind of that um, a little bit different uh, style, more cartoony style, 
but it's like uh, definitely hack and slash as well. But it's like a beat 'em up, um, and it, you know, just uh, th- there's a little bit of sexiness in in both these games, like in the fact that you know the characters sexy are vagrant, sexy vagrant. They're, they're low cut everything, like tons of women have low cut, you know, clothes. So just to be clear, your character is a, a anime booby girl. It's not like a homeless guy off the street. No, you're not. It's not, it's not Hobo Life. Is that the game you played, Hobo Life? Hobo Life. Well, where does Vagrant come in then? Her what? name is Vivian the Vagrant, and she um, basically... <laughs> what? It's Vivian the Vagrant. That's hilarious. That sounds like a porno or something. Oh. Well, there's definitely like, again, this is like the art style. You can't think of it too sexy because it's like, like you said, kind of painterly. Yeah. And the characters are like not full-size adults, you know, so sometimes it looks kind of chibi in a way. Okay. Um, so I, I don't ever think of it as sexy, but yeah, it's okay like, to be attracted to little people. I mean, that's a, they need, love I know too. it's, but it's, it's just like the, the style of art is like all the characters look like, I don't know, just a little bit different. And then they're all, uh, a ton of the women have, you know, the boobs showing sure. up sure. everywhere. Um, it just almost seems silly cause it doesn't really fit like a lot of it, but anyways, the gameplay itself is, yeah, you basically are, um, trying to figure out, you know, the past and stuff like that, the, the classic beginning of a story. Um, and you're in these towns and you're um, doing missions for people. It's really just an, the game's an excuse to kind of run around and um, you just hit things, level up, and the leveling system feels really good. And then you're kind of like caught up in a bunch of other stories that are happening. Uh, I'm being very vague right now. Um but yeah, it's it's relaxing and fun, and I bring it to the show just because a on Steam it's seventy nine cents, ridiculous. But these style of games are so fun to me. Um, they call it hand painted. That's what it is on the yeah. There you go. Yeah, sure. and the the weapons feel fun, and I just feel like everything just feels like a, a joy. Like it's just super fun to play. And I'm playing by the way the Xbox controller on my Steam, you know, PC. So uh, the controller is just really really fun. So there's not, I don't want to see too much of the gameplay. There is a kind of interesting intro on what, who you are and stuff like that. Um, you're looking for your lost father, and there's a thing. But there's a huge like, kind of like uh, thing that happens at the beginning. I just want people to experience it for themselves. So it, 2D action RPG, Vagrant, The Vagrant. Ooh, I think people should check it out. All right, check it out. All right, there you go. All right, I'm going to talk about a game that came out of nowhere for me, um, kind of like my experience with uh, Elder Sign Omens, where I just had the itch out of the blue of like, oh, I really enjoyed that game back in the day. I want to play it again. Um, same for this one. I was going through my PS5 library. You know, you can go all the way to the end of the toolbar, and you've got your library. And I was like, oh, I should probably clear some space off because my son wanted to download a couple games. So I went to go see what I could clear some space off. And I'm like, oh, Oh shit! I still got like a lot of games here that I want to play that yes. I completely forgotten about. Right? Hey, have you ever so, used that feature that we talked about where you can make like your shame pile or something? No, I haven't done anything in like the that. PlayStation just, Store. They let you make those playlists. That's cool. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I haven't. I have not explored that yet. I just, just what I, what I do generally now these days. My new mo is I'll download a game, and if I want to play it again, I'll leave it on the hard drive. And if you can archive it like you can on the Switch, for example, where you can delete the game, but you leave the icon so that you know you still have the game, but you're not taking up the space. I think yeah. that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can do that on PlayStation or not. But well, yeah, everything's just in your library forever. True, but I, I have it. Se- Maybe I should look into the folder thing. Anyway, regardless, um, I just keep a little a separate list. It's not my full library. It's just like my my smaller library of games that I want to come back to. And this was in there, and I'm like, oh fuck, I forgot about this game. 
uh, and I de- desperately want to come back. It's Desperados Three from Mimi Me oh, Studios. You yeah. ever play this one? I think we we definitely mentioned it on the show. We have, we have, yeah. I think I played it. I think I had a problem with its difficulty. If that's yeah, I don't think this is a Carlos game, really. I wouldn't yeah, say. I would, which I wouldn't recommend this one. I like the setting and I like the I think the style of gameplay. Yeah, but I think I remember being frustrated by the difficulty. It's super hard. It's super hard. Um, so this is isometric third person uh you know kind of a top-down diablo-ish sort of a like old school diablo or i guess uh old school fallout or something all my references are super dated like don't listen to me uh but isometric uh you take a group of five people in the wild west you start off with like your regular cowboy guy there is a really big buff trapper kind of a guy fur trapper guy there is a um, doc holiday kind of a slick gambler kind of a guy Uh, Mm -hmm. there is a voodoo lady and then there is a um uh, a pretty lady who is like kind of a charmer she distracts people and she's got a little derringer and stuff and so each of these people have their own skill set they have different abilities different strengths some of them run faster some of them can climb some of them can't some of them can swim some of them can't some of them are really good at hiding dead bodies and some of them are not so good. And so you have this crew of like, you know, Western folks and there's this whole story of, of course, Western. So it's like revenge and injustice and money being stolen. And then there's sand and tumbleweeds and that, that kind of thing. Um, I played this when it came out a couple of years ago and I loved it. I loved it. Um, but the thing is, it is a really, really difficult game. Uh, I'm sure the guy that wrote that FAQ thinks it's the easiest game ever, but fuck nice. that guy. He's like, fuck all you gotta guy. do is just beat it. What's wrong just with you? Just beat the game. Just shoot the just guys. Just go. Don't get shot. Easy. Fucking easy. Anyway, it's a really difficult game, and it's the kind of thing where, like, Me 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 is a great developer, and they have honed this system, and I don't think anybody else does games exactly like they do. Uh, this is also, I think, ground that they mined in Shadow Tactics, Blade of the Samurai. Mm-hmm. That was amazing when it came out. I fucking love Shadow love Tactics. Love that game. Uh, and this is kind of in the same vein. They went bigger and harder on this one, which is fine. But when I played it, uh, I put, oh man, I put like, I want to say like 30, 40 hours into it. And I had to bounce because I had a bunch of other review responsibilities. So I always figured I'd come back to it. But what I didn't realize, I stopped it like literally two levels from the end. And I'm like, oh, I came back to it thinking I had the, like half the campaign left over. And then I look it up and I'm like, oh shit, I've only got two levels left. Uh, plus the DLC. So I'm like, okay, I, I got to finish this. I love this game. And I got to say, it's been a real joy to come back to it. The hook of this game is not only do you have a team of five people, um, you move them, you can switch between all five at any time once you once you add them to your team. And there's all sorts of enemies all across the map. They show you the view cones of where the enemies are looking. They tell you their alert status. I mean, they give you like all the information. And that's what I like about this game is there's no secrets. There's no hiding there's no, there's no trick. It's just about, are you paying attention enough? Are you strategizing enough? Like, is your plan working or is it not working? And they never, they never do a gotcha, like, which is, which is great. It doesn't make the game any easier because it's still hard as fuck, but I, I appreciate that they play fair. Uh, the other thing about this game that I think is great is you have a mode where you can pre-program moves for your teammates and then execute them all at once. And that's really what gets you through a lot of situations. So for example, if you're trying to get through a courtyard and there's like, I don't know, three guards that are standing guard. One of your teammates, you know, he could shoot one, but the other two are going to shoot him while he's shooting that first guy. Or maybe like you stab one guy, but the other guys rush you. Like there's no way for like one person to just get through it. So what you do is you, you get your team nearby and then you'll say, you go into like planning mode. I think it's called showdown mode or something like that. You, you say, okay, cowboy, I want you 
to stab this guy in the back. And then Pretty Woman, I want you to throw perfume in this guy's face. And then Fur Trapper Guy, I want you to uh, just punch this guy. And then once you have it all queued up, you go back to the regular game and you push just one button and then everybody does their thing at the same time. Oh, there's another so, game that's like that. I can't remember what that is, but I've seen I don't know. that kind of style before. I mean, it's very possible. There's uh, There are some earlier games in this genre, which I'm not familiar with because they're usually mostly PC. Uh, so there may be something. I think somebody said, mm, I want to say Commandos, but I don't think that's the right. I don't think that. It's a yeah. military game, I think. Yeah, there's a military kind of, Steam game. That's yeah, like yeah, that. military Steam game, World War II game. Same isometric, same sort of like cue your actions up kind of a thing. Um, but I feel like Mimi Me has got it down to like a science right now. So that's the thing that kind of gets you through it, uh, being able to plan those moves. But the maps are huge. Uh, they're really detailed. I feel like using the characters is really fun. There's a lot of banter between the characters as you're going through the levels, which is nice. Um, but it's tough, man. It's one of those games that they really, really want you to quick save. And I'm quick saving like every like five seconds where I'm like, okay, I walked five steps, quick save. Got this one guy, quick save. Dispose of the body, quick save. So, like, because stuff can go wrong. Like, there's a lot of guys, you never know when someone's, like, they catch you out of the corner of the eye, or maybe um, you thought you had a little bit of a, a dead zone, but you didn't have as much as you thought, or you thought you had more time to get th- across a courtyard, and the guy turns around one second too soon, and then your whole thing just goes to shit, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you, they definitely want you to quick save. They definitely want you to, like, experiment and see if that worked. If it didn't work, go back and try again. And it's kind of what makes the, the levels take so long. I mean, I think each level for me is about maybe like three hours long, which is pretty long for a level, right? So you got to be ready to have that kind of like real nitty gritty, like getting into your knees and just really like wading through this and trying to figure it all out. Um, but I enjoy it. I think it's really well done. I love the characters, love the cast, I love the gameplay. And like nobody out there really does games like this on console the way that they do. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad I came back to this one. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that I remembered it existed and I, I was actually really thrilled that I didn't delete my data because being so close to the end, uh, I went and did the tutorial real quick and like within five minutes, I'm like, oh, that's right. I remember how this game works and I jumped back in right. and it was like I had never left. So that was pretty cool. So but overall, the, I love this game, man. That was on, well, PlayStation, you said? Playing it on PS5, but it's on everything. It's I, I don't right. think it's on Switch. It's too, it's too small for Switch, but PlayStation, Xbox, PC. But when you said you went back, you, you can't, it's it's difficult to delete the actual save data. So you even if you deleted the game, you wouldn't have deleted the save data. Thank that's, goodness. that's saved separately. Yeah, yeah. At least on PlayStation, cool. that's how it works. And the good thing is you can choose mission select, right? So like I went back, I chose level one, did that little bit, got my feet, you know, back into it. And then I went back to like level 11 or 12. Or right, exactly. Just started over. So it was really cool. They give you a lot of options. Uh, there's also a lot of DLC. Uh, I think there's three DLC missions. There's also bonus missions you can do in the core missions. And I'm pretty sure that in one of the missions you play as a chicken, which I am very, very excited oh, about. That I'm really fun. stoked to be a chicken in this game. So, Yeah, I think I played them back in the day. I, this style of game is very PC, and um, I think, I don't think I'm in the mood for them right now. But I think that, like you said, they do it really, really well. And yeah. especially on console, it's a very rarity. So, Oh, yeah. Controls are great. I mean, you're right, though. you got to be in the mood. This is not something. It's not easy going. It's not a fun play. Um, I, mean, I mean, it kind of is, but it's also work. It's also getting frustrated. It's also getting killed a thousand times. So if you're in the mood for that, like, really want to crunch through the strategy and get a plan going and, yeah. and you know, kill some dudes in the Wild West, this game's fucking dope, dude. And also... Similar shout out to um, Shadow Tactics, which is a samurai uh, Japan theme. Samurai Tactics, fucking awesome. Do this with Samurai Ninja. Desperados, do the same thing with Cowboys. Fucking amazing. I love these fucking games. 
And I think I I think I enjoyed Shadow Tactics for some reason differently than Desperados. I don't know what it was, but um, I don't know. I played it on Steam, I believe. By the way, there's okay. a there's a demo of Shadow Tactics on Steam right now. Oh, check that out, man. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely a little bit. I mean, it, it's pretty similar to Desperados. I think Desperados has a few things that are a little bit more smoothed out, but also I think they go harder and longer so maybe shadow tactics is a better place to start but they're yeah. about on par in terms of difficulty they're both real difficult but if you enjoy the, the tactics these are like the tops dude they're the best check them out check them out all right that's it for me for the show uh but you've got one or maybe two more things to talk about carlos and i gotta admit i was pretty surprised to see you bring to the show an Elder Scrolls Roundup. What the fuck? Yeah, this all started because I was watching uh, this YouTuber, It's Will, and he just like, you know, certain YouTubers, you just like their reactions and how they play games and just the funny comedy they do. And he was fucking around with Morrowind. Um, and now, you know, really quick backstory. I played every Bethesda game ever. Uh, beat almost all of them. But I never beat Morrowind because of reasons that I'm sure you're aware of. Did you play it on PC? I played Morrowind on PC, yeah. I played Daggerfall on PC as well. Morrowind Um, was a shit show on Xbox, dude. That was terrible. Well, in general, everything right now is better, right? Like all the emulation stuff that I'm playing on Series X um, that you can get the whole Bethesda catalog on Game Pass, which is good. And so you can download Morrowind. You can download Oblivion. And... You know, it just uh, cut to, cutting to the chase on Xbox Series X. Everything's smooth as shit. Well, that's cool. That's um, good. Like, there's still like obviously the real bugs that are in the game, but you, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like the, probably its original way that people try to play it. Um, but I've played it probably really clunky on PC as well. But I was watching It's Will play Morrowind, and it's just funny because you know those open world games, which I have a tangent that I'm going to end on, that I still love that Bethesda does that other companies still can pull off i think is a rarity where you can like i said with the last of us something that i want to see more in games which is like hey let me you know fuck around with your world a little bit and figure out how i want to play this and then allowing you know the developers allowing for those crazy things to happen as well as having npcs i sound like a a broken record like ultima 7 and some other earlier ai um, dungeon games or even uh, muds and stuff like that did back then that they're still not doing today because you get a modern game like an Ubisoft game or whatever. It's all very rigid, you know, um, I, although Far Cry 6 was pretty good when it's open world. Uh, I'm going on many tangents. The point is I was watching him play Morrowind and it was really fun because I just saw all that ridiculousness that can happen in a Bethesda game, right? He was like trying to buy like weird drugs from a guy so he could power himself up to go to the arena and like win fights because he was on drugs. Like that's just a thing that happened, right? Sure, sure. And me watching that, I was like, oh my goodness, and I never beat Morrowind. Let me go back. So this is a quick mini review of Morrowind and Oblivion because I, believe it or not, didn't beat Oblivion. Did you? Really? Yeah, I did. Okay. I or, did beat Oblivion, and I and I did some other stuff too. Yeah, for I'm sure. not sure if I did. So that's one of those things where I I I, I know I got really far, but so I, anyways, I went back to Morrowind, and I remember what the problem with Morrowind is. It's beautiful in the fact that it's so massive, it's so open. As soon as I went back into it on Xbox, um, it was just like, yeah, just do whatever you want. Like, there's hardly any main story, and <laughs> that's like a double edged sword because it's like, you know, how am I supposed to progress? 
but I did find it fun, and I was like, found this little cave, and I was just fighting monsters. But the combat, I could, I think you could technically say it's bad or objectively bad because what ob- they is objectively bad. Well, here's why it's objectively bad. <laughs> I can say it because they were trying to use pen and paper rules for their combat. This is a real time combat game, right? Yes. So yes. you would just hit things for a long time, and nothing would happen. Right, and then you get a hit in because it was because they're kind of doing the, the roll behind the scene, yes, even yeah, though yeah. your sword is hitting the dude. Yeah. So what they did in Oblivion better is that they hid that a little better, or they they fudged the numbers a bit, or something, because they let you hit things more often, even if you just started with a weapon. So I noped out of Morrowind mainly because of the combat, because I was like, I don't feel like I'm progressing enough, and I'm doing a lot, you know. So I don't know if I'll ever beat that game, but the reason I'm bringing Oblivion to the show is because that game is fucking beautiful, perfect. I think it might even be better than Skyrim in some places. Like, Skyrim's graphically better, but I didn't really care for the main story of Skyrim. I think we've talked about that. It's kind of a throwaway thing. It's more about, like, what you do in that world and just have make your own fun. Yeah. And Oblivion's the same way. Like, I think the main story's better because it's, like, fucking portals that open up and demons. And you immediately get thrown into it, right? Remember that first town that's like being destroyed, and you have to go fight monsters vaguely, right away. Vaguely, it's kind of lost in the mist in history right. for me. It's it's been a while. It's been it's been a minute. It's got a great beginning, you know that classic like you're stuck in a dungeon or as a prisoner, and you get to get out. But the minute you get out, you're like, whoa, this open world. The graphics aren't as good, but it doesn't matter. This game is so smart. The things they're doing in this game, again, similar to Ultima Seven, they're not doing in modern games. Simple things like. Uh, people having schedules, right? They just don't, ha- they have much more non believable schedules in modern games, I feel like. Um, here's an example. One of the side missions was this guy, and I don't think you have done this side mission because, again, these games are so massive. Who knows if you did it? But this little guy, and he was like paranoid that his neighbors were watching him. Do you know the story? <laughs> and this does not sound familiar, no. Oh, okay. So I, and this is, speaks to what I'm talking about with the NPCs. I go, okay, I'm fuck it. I'm bored. Let's do it. So he goes, okay, do this. Watch my friend uh, or watch my neighbor Bernadette. She gets up at six in the morning. Go watch her the whole day and then report back to me if she's like watching me. Like, you know. So I had to go and follow the NPC's movement the whole day. Okay. And so I watched her. And by the way, here's what Bernadette did she went to the fields in the morning um, and she worked for a couple hours. And then she went and had lunch. For a couple hours. Very leisurely lunch. Long lunch. But then she went to another uh, work site, which is somebody's backyard, and worked there for like three hours straight. Um, And then had a break and talked with some guy, and I listened to their conversation. And again, AIs talking to each other organically. It wasn't scripted, right? This guy just walked by her, and she's like, have you heard the Dark Brotherhood? And they just talked about rumors for a while. (laughs) Right. And then he left. He's like, I got to get going. And then she just sat there and like contemplated for a while. Like I just watched her like sit there. Mm. And then she went home and went to bed. And so I met to the guy and I go, yeah, dude, she's not watching you. You're, it's in your head, you know? Yeah. C- cut to the chase and a spoiler for Oblivion. He had me, ch- he had me uh, track down all the people, like a ton of neighbors. And I watched them and I got to see how I like this game because it's building all these really cool NPC behaviors but they were all not watching him it was all in none his of head. them he yeah, was yeah. super paranoid so what he did is he goes oh you're one of them aren't you of course he is <laughs> and yes. so he attacked me and i had to kill him and when i killed him i think there was another way to do it by the way 
Like I could have broken into his house and like somehow coerced him, but I killed him. And so after I killed him, I took the key and now his house is my house. Nice. (laughs) Just like in real life. Yeah. Just like in real life. And he, by the way, he was a hoarder. And so now I'm using his house to hoard all my stuff. Nice. (laughs) So I just like throw all my shit in there. Um, Excellent. That one experience is almost better than a ton of experiences in any side mission I've played in any modern game. I mean, just hands down, motherfucker. Like, I'm I'm here to say Bethesda, and that's why I believe in Starfield. Hopefully, they're going back to the roots with this. But that's why Skyrim sold a million times. You know, me going back to play Oblivion reminded me. That's what I think it resonates with so many people just on a human level. Like, if you can make a game about these little moments that we're all used to, right? And this is a big diatribe, but like every day is a weird question mark. You know what the fuck's going to happen. And if you make a game that embodies that, that is fascinating. And I feel like that's what these games are. And that's why I'm playing Oblivion again. I think I might have beat it. I can't even remember now, but it doesn't even matter because I never did that story, right? I never listened to that guy and his crazy talk. Right. And that was endlessly fun. I mean, bro, five hours went by. Sure. I just turned it on and I was like, oh shit, it's one in the morning. Like what other game has has done that to me, you know? So here's my here's my huge thing of like, hey everybody, go get Oblivion, which is on Xbox. <laughs> you probably already own it like four times. You probably so, yes. do. Um, but I just think that, yeah, I'm gonna play through this motherfucking game. Like it's just I'm gonna chill with it do until it. Starfield's out. Do it. But man, I, I just want more games to take those those chances with the PCs with AI behavior. Um again, this is dated. And it's still doing better things. Imagine like with better graphics and the stuff I just talked about with Last of Us Remake, you know? I want Last of Us Remake world and graphics to have the stuff that Oblivion has. Yeah. That's a long-winded explanation, but I, I had to get through it because it's it just it was it impressed it so much on me. You know, I was like, this is really truly special that I what I'm playing. I mean, it goes to show that there is still lots of um territory out there for developers to explore, right? Like you know, these type of quests, the the kind of incidental things that happen, um, you know, just like being able to take things at your own pace, pursue whatever stories you like, uh, and then have these weird, you know, emergent things crop up. I mean, it's great when it happens. I mean, there's lots of fun stories that happens. I mean, I am I, I, not as much of a fan of these games as you are, but like similar with like Fallout, right? Like it's not as open but like with the fallout games that were uh the 3d fallouts like especially like new vegas or something where like something weird will happen or you'll meet a person that you didn't know was there and you kind of just kind of pursue your own goals for a while i mean that can be really fulfilling if you're clicking with the game so i totally get what you're saying man that makes perfect sense to me well i'll end with this and and yeah i think that um fallout does something interesting but i feel like after skyrim it's like with fallout 4 and stuff like that they remember 4 had all that building stuff which i didn't like um but yeah, I think they simplified when it comes to NPCs and AI behavior. Yeah, yeah they did. Part yeah. of it is because of bugs, right? Because you build something so advanced and you start having really weird ass things happen. I would just rather have the weird things and accept them, you know? But I feel like they curtail it by, you know, make, dumbing down the behavior system. Well, so I, I mean, I agree with you, dude. I'm actually in the same boat as you because New Vegas is my favorite Fallout. And once Bethesda took over um, after New Vegas, I definitely feel like things got simpler. Like instead of 
so many weird things happening. Like it was kind of prescripted. Like a lot of the quests became kind of cookie cutter. A lot of it became really straightforward. And to me, it kind of felt like more about just chewing through a lot of content rather than like exploring and having these weird interactions like you're describing. Mm -hmm. So I think I prefer, like you're saying, the rougher, more, you know, kind of wild west approach to, to developing a game like that where maybe, you know, I, I think that's maybe a big reason why I like Elex as well, where the story is not as open, but like a lot of weird things can happen and a lot of strange, unexpected things can happen. Um, maybe that's why you like Elex as well. Yeah, but I, I think, think that so. spirit is there. So I definitely feel you on that. And I, I think that's why probably why I was less interested in Fallout 3 and from there even less interested than that in Fallout 4. So hopefully Starfield will, you know, maybe get back a little bit of that yes. wild energy, perhaps. Maybe I, they're going to have some space physics or alien physics or something and and more weird NPCs, because I would definitely I would want that rather than just like a billion cookie cutter quests to chew through. 100%. And then remember, Oblivion, Morrowind, you know, Skyrim, they are Bethesda, right? So they can do this. But early Bethesda, though, right? Yeah, yeah, earlier Bethesda. And to that point, what I was going to end with is um, there's a great documentary on YouTube that I did, again, similar to the game. I, maybe I did beat Oblivion. I can't remember. But um, I'd seen this documentary and I forgot that I'd seen it. But it's just like the making of Oblivion. So just type, mm -hmm. I think it's just type in making oblivion, but it's put out by them, by Bethesda. Oh, okay. Um, and I remember it because I've told this story on this podcast before, I think. Um, but in the beginning of that video, they show early footage of uh, an NPC um, woman in her house, and she's a um, magician or something, wizard. Uh, wait, what's Lady Wizard? Sorceress. Sorceress. And uh, she has a dog. Do you know? Do you know the story? I do not know the story. Oh, it's no. such a good story. This will end on this. The the dog has its own AI behavior. Again, these are the things I'm talking about. And uh, this is in the documentary on YouTube. The dog's running around, and the dog eats something. And if it eats something, certain a certain type of thing in the house, it gets energized and runs even more. and gets excited. And so it ate the thing, and the woman had her nighttime schedule, so she was trying to go to bed, the sorceress. So the dog wakes up the woman because he's hitting – Things are all around the house. He's running around like a crazy dog. So the the sorceress stands up and and puts the dog to sleep with a magic spell. And again, unprompted. This is not scripted event. Just, just normal AI. Like AI that's what she behaviors. Would do in that situation. Yes. Yeah. So the dog wakes up because, of course, it's going to wake up from a sleep spell. Eats more of that fucking food. Runs around even more and goes crazy. The sorceress says, I've had it. Stands up and burns him. Like shoots a fireball <laughs> at the dog. <laughs> And the dog runs away on fire out the door. That's awesome. Um, that's fucking amazing just to watch that scene. That all happened from AI behavior, no scripting. The emergent behavior, the, yeah. the, the, the AI. Yeah, that's, I love when that stuff happens. It's really funny. It's really interesting. And like you said, of course, sometimes it leads to like weird shit happening or broken stuff happening or somebody walking into a wall or whatever. But like when it, when it happens like that and you witness it, pretty, pretty amazing sometimes. I think they can make a game that just had no main quest line because lots of times these are bugs that will main up fuck up a quest line. If you made a game that was just the true world, right, and you do all your own stories, because people always say that, like, oh, you make your own adventure. Well, no, this one would just be that. Right. Then you, you could keep all that shit in there because it wouldn't be fucking a quest line. Developers, exactly. just, that's an idea. And my long-winded thing is over, Diatribe. I'm going to go play Oblivion after this. All right, there we go. Well, an interesting look back. You know, we didn't really plan this, but we ended up talking about quite a few older games this week, which I yeah. think is pretty cool. I'm, I'm down with that. You know, we talk about it in the opening 
uh, new stuff, old stuff, anything in between. And I definitely feel like we lived up to that this week. So cool. Yeah. Right on, right on. All right, folks. Um, just a couple things before we go here. These are where we talk about non-gaming related. You got anything before we go here, Carlos? Well, I'll match up with you and say we both watched uh, Jung E. Oh, yeah. You watched it too. Okay. I watched it, but I didn't finish it because I had a problem with it. What was your problem? So well, tell it, people what it is first. It's kind of a, a sci-fi. Uh, is it Korean? I believe yeah, it's Korean. Korean. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like live action sci-fi. Uh, about AI, again, talking about yes. AI. Yes. AI and robots and mm-hmm. putting AI into robots and taking people's likenesses and having, it's almost like the singularity as well, having them live on in the kind of an AI setting. Yeah. Um, and it's really about an organization who's basically trying to uh, fight a war against robots with AI and that kind of thing. Um my main reason I noped out for now, but I'm probably going to go back because I'm sure you, I think you liked it, is I like the, the look of it. And I like the graphics and stuff and the style and the idea of it. But the beginning, there's a character who's like working on the project and he's trying to be funny. Oh, yeah. The director guy. Yeah. He yeah, needs yeah. to fucking calm down. Like it was like an hour of him doing his jokes or something. Yeah. 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 So. Tell me that ends at some point because I it can't stand end. him. It does end, and, and there is a reason that he's like that. Like there's, oh, they talk okay. about they talk about what's what's driving that guy and why he keeps fucking pushing the stupid bad comedy so much. Oh. You'll figure it out like once you get there. But it is it is not an accident. It's not just okay. Good because it just felt yeah. like bad acting or something. No, no, I was no, like, no, what no. is it's going a, on with that guy? It's bad acting on purpose, and it's it is for a it is for a purpose. Yes. Okay, so I will finish it probably, but you you can tell everybody else what you thought too. I, it's a cool idea. Yeah, I think it's great. I'm not going to spoil anything, but this is from the same director as Train to Busan, which I fucking love. Oh, um, right. The zombie train game. Yeah. Loved that movie. Game so movie. I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> everything's coming together these days, all this cross-media stuff. Um, but yeah, Train to Busan was bad, uh, badass and really good. And so I loved it. And so I wanted to see this movie immediately. Um, and I liked it. It was different than I thought because from the trailers, it makes you think you're going to watch Korean Terminator, uh, which there's a little bit of that, but it's not really about that. It's more like what Carlos said, where it's about ethics ai transhumanism the singularity mm-hmm. how does how do you feel about these things what is humanity's role in these things i mean it was pretty thoughtful honestly and i really liked um the sensibility of it. it's definitely a very korean film and you can see the way that the culture addresses certain things differently than we would have done it here in america certain things go unsaid but they are communicated with like a look or like with a certain camera angle and I really appreciated that. It was pretty, pretty understated and pretty good. And by the end, I mean, I, you know, I had some feels, man. Like I was like, oh man, that's, that's fucking sad. Like this shit is sad. And I feel, um, I feel things right now. And I feel like, uh, what they explore in this film is really cool. So I don't want to spoil anything, but if you're interested in AI, AI ethics, transhumanism, singularity, anything like that, what our future looks like. Uh, a lot of the robots in this uh, film look very similar to the robots that are being put out by Boston Dynamics, Yes, which is fucked up yep. uh, because we're going to all die from robot attacks soon. So anyway, it's a good film. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was very well done. All right. Well, I will finish it uh, probably today, actually, or tonight. Uh, right. Another thing I'm watching on Netflix is, uh, man, what a fucking cool concept. And I want to do this in the U.S. so bad. So hopefully maybe someday I can even... Uh, produce a show like this. So it's um, called Last One Standing. It just came out because, you know, it's been out, I think, in Japan for a while. And we just got the release on Netflix and they're making a season two right now. Um, but so what is it? It is a bunch of 
comedians, um, you know, it's all subtitled, uh, Japanese comedians in, <laughs> this is hard to explain. It's a drama, uh, oh, an interesting drama that shot like, it looks like a, a series, right? And then it looks like a series, it looks like a series, and all these characters arrive at this school, and then they're in a classroom, and they're talking about like, it's kind of a mystery, you know? And is then, this like is this is this like a reality show or this I'm is getting like there. a I'm getting there. Show. It takes okay. a minute. Right. So it's scripted to a point. You're watching a series and you're like, what is this series? It's crazy. And but there's also like Terrace House and like Love Wagon, which are shows I like. There's these hosts that are watching it with you. Yes. Which yes. I love Japanese stuff. I just like the reality shows that do that. So there's two hosts that are watching this as you're watching it, and you can hear them commenting in the background. So they're watching this weird series take place. At, it, at its heart, it is a reality show, but it starts with scripted story about this kind of, you know, fiction. And then you, you get all these people, uh, different walks of life comedians in a room in the series. Then the series keeps being a series. Like it's, it's, there's no like break in character. Like they're all like themselves. But then they start um, telling stories and each one has to tell a story that's funny. Uh, and so like the, the topic might be like this, it's so hard to explain, but the series like ends and now there's a more scripted thing. They're all just in a room and you were watching a series for a minute and these guys are guests are all characters, but you know them as the comedians, they're real, you know, real comedians. And so someone will say something like painful journey, like that would like, that's the last scripted line. Right. And now each person has to come up with a painful journey story. That's funny. And the and and they just keep telling him as as long as you have a story, it has to be a real story that it really happened to you, and that's funny. And so then you can tell the other comedians will make each other laugh and stuff like that, and the hosts are laughing, and then whoever didn't make as many people laugh gets kicked off the show, but they get kicked off the show in a series way. So like the first guy that gets kicked off, like a character comes in and takes him out, right? It's hard to explain. I this know. This whole thing is giving me anxiety, man. I'm, this is oh, all just it's like actually super me crazy. fucking fun. Okay, is it? Yeah, it, and it then sounds after, like stressful to me. After that happens, like they do more series stuff. So then there's more of the scripted series, and then episode two will be scripted series into the the reality TV humor part. I'm huh. not. I don't think I could describe this. I just. I realized. mean, it sounds wild. I, I and I do like comedy stuff, but man, just hearing that of like. Being have to have to come up with a story on the spot and make people laugh and they get kicked off and stuff. That sounds. But they're I, all I, very skilled at that. They're like sure, seasoned sure. veterans. Sure, which right? makes sense. But like, I, I wonder if this is a Japanese show. Are you finding it funny? Like, does a lot of the humor translate over? Because humor is notoriously hard to translate um, into a different language. A lot of cultural things don't come over. A lot of nuance in the wordplay doesn't come over. So, like, are you are you still finding it funny? For me, I am. So there's there's a caveat. There's an asterisk there. I've been watching Japanese you know, TV and reality shows probably since I was a kid. So like, that's all I've always understood the humor. And, and if you have enough reference points, like one of the girl comedians in this talks about an anime, I'm like, I know about that anime. So then when she said the joke that like they use her likeness, but she's not in it. Like I laughed. Right. Mm -hmm. So some of it's like those, but the other ones are like the guys like, my co-star, you know, said I'm ugly or whatever. It's just like basic things. Basic jokes. Um, okay. You know, my wife is leaving me for whatever reason. So, yeah, a lot of it's like, <laughs> yeah, they, but it's funny because a lot of the painful things were just like really sad stories. But the way they delivered it, just like a really good comic, can make sure. it funny, right? Sure. So yeah, it's true, really about true. delivery and a lot of like relatable things. But 
Dude, it's just such a novel concept. I really like Interesting. it. Interesting. All right, I'll check it out. We've been we've been kind of doing a lot of uh, Asian TV and movies lately, so uh, I'll, I'll definitely check that out for sure. Uh, cool. Two more uh, things. One, the Love Wagon that I mentioned for you. Yeah. Um, definitely start with the Asian journey because the African journey that I'm on right now, uh, which is the season three or whatever mm-hmm, for, mm-hmm. Uh, it's just super depressing. Like, um, it's just rough. So. I really want you to see that style of show. So start with the Asian journey. Okay. All Um, right. There's two seasons of that. And then lastly, Million Pound Menu. I don't know what this is. Is this on Netflix? So fucking good. Also Netflix. I'm a big fan of Shark Tank. I'm a big fan of food travel shows. This mixes those two together in an hour long episode. What happens is they take three uh, restaurant tours or like they could be someone who's like working on a, uh, um, a food truck they could have like a small mom and pop shop. They could have an idea that they're just kind of just starting to sell. But mainly it's people who have been semi-established, but they're trying to make it, right? And they bring in their top dish to a bunch of um, investors. And then they, the investors pick one of those three uh, groups to, be, um, to basically do a test kitchen and see if they can be successful gotcha right and then when they do that test kitchen when they pick one of them they make them do a bunch of different things like a dinner service and a lunch service and then those investors can drop out or they can continue on and they can offer the money at the end interesting and this is on netflix you said it's on netflix and is it's just UK so smart what, yeah it's british i think it's a british show i don't know i mean i figure it says pounds i mean it must yes be british, it must right? be yeah yeah uh, oh yeah it's in manchester that's right the the main thing's in manchester but it's just a, such a smart idea. I know that the U.S. will copy it because it's it's too damn good. Um, and I like that it's an hour because it really fits like you get to know these three different companies or these, you know, restaurateurs or whatever and entrepreneurs. And then you follow their journey uh, as they try to, like, make it and actually work with real customers. Because lots of times in Shark Tank, you won't see that second part, you know. Right, you just right. see the investment. You won't see, like, the hard work they have to do. So I can't recommend it hard enough. Million Pound Menu. All right, that sounds like our jam. I'll check that. I'll tell mention that to the wife when we go upstairs here. We'll talk about that. So, right, cool. lots of stuff. And, All right, you got more things too. Uh, just a couple things here. Um, quick shout out to the Outlaws, which I was watching on Prime, Amazon Prime. This one from Stephen Merchant. So uh, every I episode you're going to mention it now. Then, well, it's over. I just watched the last episode. Oh, okay. So okay this okay. is this is the final. I wanted to give the quick wrap up. Season two is all there is. Uh, so there's beginning, middle, and an end. And man. What a journey. I, I, I am glad it ended because I, I feel like it was a complete story and I feel like they said what they needed to say. They got in, they got out, they did it. But boy, I'm going to really miss these characters. I thought the cast was just so great. I really enjoyed all their different personalities and how they interacted with each other. It was just so fun. Um, I'm glad they're not going to drag it out to, you know, wring all the joy out of it. But, oh man, I, I could I could easily do like maybe like one more season, but it makes sense that they ended it where it did. Really great stuff. I really highly recommend it. I think it was really funny. Uh, really weird, off the wall, unexpected. Uh, this is a series about people from different walks of life who all get busted for small crimes. They have to go clean up a community center to do their community service. And while they're there, a bunch of like weird shit happens. Uh, not supernatural, just crime stuff. Uh, and they just they all deal with it in different ways and how they relate to each other is just really, really interesting. I just thought it was great. Had a great time with it. Loved it. Christopher Walken fucking kills in that. Yes. Uh, everybody does a great job in that show. So it's wonderful stuff. Check it out. Check that out for sure. Uh, watching Wednesday on Netflix. Did you watch Wednesday? Watch it as soon as it came out. You did. I you watched it, finished it in like two days or three days. Yeah. It's fucking All right. What did, you, what did you think of it real briefly? Oh, I loved it to death. Okay. Okay. 
We are watching it now. We're about halfway through, and I think it's fine. Um, I gotta say, it's not super clicking with me though, and I, I, I guess I'm not exactly sure. I think part of it is um, Jenna Ortega, who plays Wednesday, the the lead. She is so like one note and so just like nothing there. And I get that that's part of her character, right? She's she's emotionally shut. She's not accessible. Um, but she's got like this real like aggro thing going on against like the whole world. And I don't remember if that's how she was in the original Adams family. I suspect probably not. It is. It actually is. It? is. Go back in and the, look. No, yeah. but like the old series, the TV yeah. series. Is she oh, like the that? TV series, she was more of a kid. But yeah, the actual movies that people remember, um, you know, she was just as dark. Was she? Okay. Yeah. I don't remember. I remember the t- <laughs> dating myself. Clearly. I remember the TV show and not the movies so much. I, I did see them, but yeah, Christina uh, Ricci basically yeah, yeah, was yeah. this kind of like, uh, let's just kill everything. And it's almost yeah. identical. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just really kind of like, she keeps pounding the same ground and it's like, it's cool. But like, I, I feel like she's going a little hard on it. And I, I would like a little bit of variation. I mean, some of the, the emotional tone comes from the other characters. Everybody kind of reacts to her. Um, and she's just kind of like, you know, the dark kind of singularity, the black hole at the middle of it, which is fine, I guess. It's okay. It's fine. It's interesting. Um, but I'm not like loving it like I thought I was going to. It's, it's okay. We're going to see what happens. See I'll what say happens. that my only rebuttal is that, again, similar to like when you have expectations or when you watch it, I just, as soon as it came out and it was released I, before anybody was talking about the dance or the Twitter things, you know, nothing sure, was out there. Sure. And I was like, what is this weird thing? So I just kind of enjoyed it for that. And I I love Jenna doing what she does in that kind of darkness because, um, I don't know, I was just kind of in that mood. But also, because you haven't finished it, her character develops. Like, I mean, I I would have to. There's obviously stuff that happens. Yeah. And I don't want to ruin it. But like, and also with her roommate, I think that actress is awesome. Your um, roommate's great. Yeah, there's some her. really cool stuff that happens later on, so just give it a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still in. We're still in. We're watching like one or two episodes a day, so we'll finish it pretty quick. But yeah, I'm just like, you know, I got about three episodes in. I'm like, okay, I get it. You want to kill everything and you're super nihilistic. And like, I get it. But okay, let's, you know, let's let's change it up a little bit. So we'll yeah. see. Um, the only other thing I have. So I don't know. I don't know. If we, have we talked about Brave Star on the show before, Carlos? Have we? Have we I not? did like a million years ago. The Brave Star trilogy is out on consoles. Wait, oh no, I'm no, talking no, about the no. game. No, there's no game. There's no game of Brave Star. What are you thinking of? What am I thinking of now? Hold on. Game. I'm thinking of Brave Star, the Native American sheriff who was a filmation cartoon in the 80s. <laughs> oh my goodness. Totally different. And it's not, it's Brave Land. I think I was thinking about Brave oh, Land. Oh, Brave Land. Yeah, which is a cool game. Which is a cool game. People, check out Brave Land. Brave Land is great. Fun. I did enjoy Brave Land. Yes. Okay, no, sorry. Now that. tell me what you're talking about. Okay, so talking about Brave Star, this is put out by Filmation. The 80s uh, powerhouse uh, animation uh, run by Lou Scheimer. This came after He-Man. So after He-Man and She-Ra had both wrapped up in the 80s. Brave Star. I don't know if it was our next thing, but it it came after those two things. This star, it was set in future on the planet of New Texas, deep in space. And Marshall Brave Star was a uh, indigenous Native American sheriff. Uh, He was obviously identifiable as not white, uh, but he was the lawman on the planet of New Texas. And he had... Uh, his horse, who is also a cyborg, his horse was named 3030, and he could transform from a robot to a horse or a bipedal mode to a quadrupedal mode, basically. Um, and then he had there was like a judge that was his buddy. He had a little deputy that was kind of like a prairie dog person who was a native of that planet. Um, so I, we watched this because my son really likes the filmation style. And honestly, I really do, too. 
I think what Lou Scheimer and his group were doing at Filmation was really great. Not only was the animation really well done, but also you could tell that he like he gave a shit about people because all his cartoons have morals and messages and they really spend a lot of time in character. Um, just to give you like a quick counterpoint, I know we talked about He-Man and She-Ra. My son and I watched the whole thing, loved it. And then I started watching Transformers with him. Um, did we talk about this? How, how we bounced off of Transformers? Did I mention this? I don't know if you bounced off it, but you talk about watching it. I start, I, we started watching it, and about halfway through, my son's like, I'm good. And I'm like, whoa, really? He's like, yeah, this is dumb. He's like, I, don't, I can't follow what's happening. I don't understand who these characters are. Stuff happens, and it seems totally random, and like nothing has continuity. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're totally right. Yeah. It is my 80s nostalgia that's carrying me. And he was right. Like When we really took a hard look at it, we got through He-Man because those characters kind of grew and evolved over the series. Not in a not in the way that they do these days, but they definitely had care. There was continuity. They tried to to really deliver stories between the people. But in Transformers, it was just like fighting, fighting, shooting, shooting lasers. And every time a new guy hit the shelves, there was like a new guy in the show. And there was like they would get rid of characters, no explanation. Introduce characters, no explanation. Right. Whatever yeah. happened last week, who cares, right? Young people are spoiled now when it comes to like you know, character development series, yes. like the yes. idea of a show that cares about progression. Because yeah, when we grew up, it was just about like loud explosions or something. Yeah. Lots of times. Yeah. yeah, he was right. He was right. And I'm like, you know what? You're totally right. And and when I saw it through his lens, absolutely true. And just an interesting side note. I mean, I think Optimus Prime is probably one of the most famous characters. Of all time. I think you'd probably go to any country in in the world and be like, who's this guy? And they're like, yeah, Optimus Prime. He's only in Transformers for 1.5 seasons. That's it. What? It blew me away. He gets killed in Transformers the movie. That's not a spoiler. That's like a 40-year-old movie, folks. Um, but before that, there is like a 12... Series 1 is like 12 episodes of Transformers. Series 2 is like... I don't know, 30 episodes or something. He's only fucking in it for one and a half series, dude, or seasons. And I'm like, it it blew my mind how little he's in the fucking cartoon. I'm like, all my childhood, I'm like, Optimus Prime is the man, he's the king, and all this stuff. And you go back and look at it, 1.5 seasons. Wow, dude. It's that's nothing. Weird. It's nothing. Anyway, so he bounced on Transformers. And to be honest, I didn't blame him. So I'm like, okay, well, let's find something else. So we went back to Filmation and Bravestar. So... Did you ever watch Brave Star? Do you know Brave Star? No, just watching it makes me feel like a, a crazy that I didn't watch it because being Native American, having no role models growing up, um, I should have. I don't oh know. My if God, we I'm didn't... so surprised, dude. I thought for sure that you would have known about Brave Star and watched. Well, it. I don't know if we had it on our television. Maybe I don't know. not. Like right? you know what I mean? Back That's really what it came down to back then. I remember again nowadays, you grow up and watch anything you want. I know, problem, right? right? I know, I so know. I don't think I ever saw this come across our television. And for the most time, the growing up, we did not have cable, right? Sure. sure. So I'm I mean, guessing this was on cable. For, yeah. Yeah. And we were like on welfare and had three channels. So sure. Sure. Yeah. I don't think I've seen it. And it's crazy because, yeah, I was like, that guy looks like me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I read some articles. Okay. So here's the thing. So Brave Star, Native American, he's a sheriff. He's on this planet. It's like western techno futuristic kind of stuff like all the horses are like robots he's got a laser gun but he also is like a sheriff with a badge and he's kind of doing that whole thing it's a very interesting juxtaposition um i'm sure the first thing people are going to think of is like appropriation right because i don't believe any native americans or indigenous people were involved in the creation of it so it was like lou scheimer uh, who himself was a jewish person and his american studio i don't know who was there um, telling a story about a Native American person. And like, like clearly some shit is like, okay, I got to raise an eyebrow at this. Um, Bravestar's thing is he is not only a good sheriff and he's very virtuous and righteous, 
but he has uh, animal powers that are based on animals that you might associate with Native American people, bear, hawk, wolf, and puma. And his mentor, in in the same way that He-Man had the sorceress in Castle Grayskull, he has the shaman, who is literally a shaman, and he's wearing, like, you know, the feather headdress. He talks in that... I don't, I'm not even going to do it here, but, you know, you know, the Indian voice that, like, the stereotypical Indian voice that we saw on TV for so many decades. Yeah. So, well, like real Indians, like real natives that sound like that, right? Like, so it's very, in some ways, I'm like, okay, this has got to be appropriation, right? So I, I, I read some articles written by natives, indigenous people, and they're like, fuck yeah, this is like super racist and appropriation. But Brave Star was awesome and he was representation. He's the only guy on TV that looked like me back then. And so I fucking love him for that. And it's kind of, that's kind of how I'm landing on it, right? It's like, I can see the problems with it. But Bravestar is a fucking cool dude. Like he's he's a hero, man. That's like, good, yeah. And that at some point there was even talks about maybe crossing him over with He-Man and merging those two universes, which would have been amazing. They didn't do it, but it was on par with that. And so like seeing a Native American uh in that role, he is clearly the hero. He gets shit done. He's he's funny, he's warm, he's personable, he's really human. Um, we're just fucking loving the interaction between him and 3030's horse. Like they do these jokes and shit. They've got little buddy moments and stuff and the way that he talks to people um it's just it's really fucking good and there is some appropriation there is some stuff that's not good but god damn it it's not garbage i don't think it's bad i mean i think it's a product of its time and i'm not going to make excuses for it but i certainly think there is something worthwhile here especially for people who want to see more native american representation i mean we're just you know we're talking about the things that they don't get right i mean i think that the way that they show the prairie dog people is maybe not so cool but like in general, like it's hard to ignore the fact that this guy who was fucking brown, he's got black hair, he's got Native American features, he's the fucking star of this thing, and people look up to him, and he is he's the baddest motherfucker in town. Like that's that's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, and they should reboot it because they could do it like you know correct, fully correct now. Because um, we have Reservation Dogs now, one of my favorite shows ever. Oh, one and of the best shows ever with Native representation of the, you know actually directing and acting in it and stuff like that. So. They could bring this back. I don't know. And again, to, to your point of like trying to figure out how to justify being okay with it. One, any representation on screen back then for us natives was like amazing, right? Like, yeah. holy yeah. shit, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah. And then secondly, it just sounds like, and I probably saw it in passing on my friend's TV or something, that it was done like, you know, in a positive way. It wasn't yeah. like they were like, you know, really hamming up like, corny stereotypes or like that so yeah i mean i think you're right that's really the thing that makes the difference for me right is because sometimes you see something and you're like they're taking the piss on this or they're not they're not treating it with respect i i maybe it's me and i would be really interested if you watch like like go watch two episodes of this on youtube it's the only place you can watch it you can't stream it anywhere um but you can watch it for free on youtube they get the whole series watch one or two episodes let me know what you think but like i genuinely feel that they are trying to do their best job and that they, you know, they're probably ignorant in some ways and they're not really treating it the way that we treat it now. But I feel like they were legit trying to make him a hero and trying to hold him up as a good guy and they were trying to do their best. And it it really does not feel like they're making fun of him or like they're making fun of the culture or anything. It's like, you know, they made some mistakes and they, they gave it their best shot. But, yep. you know, I, I feel like it, it turned out okay. Yeah. All right, well, check it out. Check that out. All right, that is it. That is a show... Thanks for listening. As always, we want to get your questions and comments. Hit us up. SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at SoVideoGames. We're on Instagram at SoVideoGamesPodcast. I'm uh, trying to pace myself, so I'm updating only when we update the show. Uh, but you can also hit us up individually. Uh, Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? Just always TikTok, probably. Uh, Carlos Riddell on TikTok. Um, 
at some point soon, maybe Twitch because of uh, a new job that I'll talk about probably next episode. Um, All right. And I think it's just my name, twitch.tv slash Rodella. Uh, before I go, I know we're already long, but I would say one more thing. I tried to stream Xbox. Uh, I tried to stream Oblivion on Xbox Series X, mm-hmm. and they won't let you because through the app because it's already, I guess, streaming uh, the, the game, right? Because it's not yeah. – although it did download something. So I, I just don't know why we can't get the t- technology right. So I'm hoping that we can figure that out someday. Because if you stream a game, an old game, you can't stream it back out to Twitch right now. Um, I don't and, know anything about that. I have no I'm idea. just saying, like, you playing an old game on your uh, Xbox, mm-hmm. and it's an old, like, a 360 game or something, they won't let you stream it. But normally, you can take any game you're playing on Xbox and hit a button, and you're streaming and it on Twitch. It. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it just happens. So the fact that I couldn't do that with Oblivion, the thing that I want to stream the most, really, really bothered me. So I don't know if That's anybody's out there knows how a workaround, let me know. All right. Anybody, anybody who knows, I'm sure someone knows. So get in touch with Carlos, hook him up. Uh, as for me, social media, same as always on Instagram, on Twitter, B R A D G A L L A W A Y. All A's, no O's. And there also is an Instagram for game critics as well. If you want to check out what's going on at GameCritics.com. I believe it is GameCritics.com, all spelled out and letters. Um, so check that out if you got a minute and that is going to do it for episode three, two, zero. Thank you again for joining us here on the Soviet games podcast. And we'll see you next week. Oh, we'll see you next week. Crap, I forgot. Oh, damn it. I was Do just going to nail it. Okay. Do it again. All right. Thanks again for joining us here on the Soviet Games Podcast, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.